0: From the Pathway Studios in Johnston
1: proper, you are live. Listening to live from the path. We're coming from the
2: Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Oh yeah! Whoa! I gave it a shot. It just felt wrong as it happened, but I really wanted to see what it felt. I make like. the intro noises around you here. No, I just I wanted to try it out. It just it wasn't good, but like I don't know.
1: Yeah, give it a shot. Okay.
2: All right. Well, there you go.
1: Here's we got going on, on the show uh, this evening. Thank you for the long sabbatical. Uh, you're I mean you're welcome kick the tires
2: like the fires big daddy i don't know it doesn't have to happen that way it didn't it didn't and i regret it uh drove past a place called big rapids today and i asked my wife if she'd be willing to turn that into a call sign for me and she said no like she won't refer to you as big Rapids. (laughs) we were passing a place called grand rapids and then 20 miles later we're at big rapids and i was like they used to call me that in high school roger that big rapids and she goes what i'm like can that be my call sign from now on she goes no like, Alright fine That's oh. too bad That's boss Right I thought it'd be cool to be like ten uh, four <laughs> Big Rapids <laughs> Nope Didn't happen
1: I don't know I might be willing To pick that up Yes Yep
2: Yes Okay uh,
1: So on the show This evening So one Bova has a question Ask the pastors About what is it Job Job Okay what, what's the premise What's the question
2: What the heck man like, uh, so I'm, I'm reading through it and, um, trying to take in some context about the book yep. of, I understand that it's like the oldest book that we have to be understood to be like written down as far as I know, like it's the oldest not, uh, chronologically written book yep. of the Bible. Yes. Um, I don't know what that means for the context of it, but another thing I've heard is that it seems to be like set in a weird geographical setting. Mm-hmm. And so, like Job is from the land of Uz, I believe I remember, like Uz, yeah, uh, which is not really talked about anywhere else or on a lot of maps. Um, not saying it's like some far off distant land we don't know where it's at, but like it just seems to be super far removed from the rest of the biblical text of what's going down. Yeah, um, and uh, there's there's some contention of understanding um, literal w- uh, methods of writing and stuff like that. Of is Job an actual story? That happened like there was a dude named Job everything in it is true or is this a story that could be used for teaching, kind of like a parable?
1: Like a parable, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah.
2: So that's oh. that's what I want to talk about.
1: Okay, and I, so we'll, we'll get to that. And I think you can probably throw Jonah in the same bucket um, for similar reasons. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, and so I, th- so the, I think the, the core question is, is that like, is there, how should we think of these stories? Mm-hmm. Yep. Are they parables? Are they, uh, re- do we know that they're real and firm? And how would we know? What type of evaluation would we do to get Right, yep. yep. Okay, I think that sounds good. Every time I read Job... And it says he's from the land of ooze. I instantly go, ooze, 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 ooze. Like it's a techno dance dance town.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I went into this thinking, I don't know, like I'm not very smart. And, like, sometimes I I, I I have difficulties with biblical writings, and then I remember that my buddies start doing house music whenever they read the Bible.
0: Yeah, I think of a tin man and a scarecrow.
2: I mean, I just think of it as a book of the Bible, so that's fun. What if, I mean, one out of a hundred, <laughs> I would
1: not have come up with either of those two references. It happens to me every what time. What do you think of it every time <laughs> <you read laughs> Job? I don't
2: know. I thought Satan's was, just walking around the earth to and fro and he says it twice. In. Oof, 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 oof. Where you been, Satan? Yeah, don't shut the door on my tail I've been <laughs> at a house club in Berlin. Why is it Sorry.
1: so dark in here?
2: Okay. Uh, all right.
1: Uh Move also ran in had some uh, deconstruction conversations over the weekend.
2: Yeah. Um went, met up with some friends uh that uh, um just got back a couple years ago from some some big-time, like, years-long missions and uh, had some hurts um, that went down, like, some really rough stuff went down. And we were talking this weekend, and they felt super comfortable to just kind of bring up some stuff to me, Um, some questions that they had about God and about, like, the Bible and the efficacy of the Bible and a lot of questions about, like, uh, uh, do I believe what I believed before I went over there? No, no. Kind of conversations and uh, some that it was interesting that like it, it, their hearts are are good and and I I know them well enough to know that like they're really struggling with some good stuff and trying to find Jesus. Yep. And I was it was very important for me to keep that grounding in it, and it was a really good conversation that ended up great. And I think I ended up like Holy Spirit talking for twenty minutes because I don't remember any of it. And that's usually how that goes down, but. Uh, um it was it was really good conversations and i was thankful that it happened and i'm very thankful that the lord has had me doing some of the stuff that i've been doing over the last couple of months yep. to be able to be in the place that i could have those kind of conversations so it was a blessing to me it helped keep me grounded with a couple of things that i also wrestle with and it was just it was a really good conversation but it's the first time i've ever had to deal with that kind of like Deconstruction conversation of like, we're yeah. not the same as we were, before, were beforehand. So,
1: okay, yeah. So, maybe without giving away too much, we'll, we'll pick up the yep. conversation, kind of talk about like what types of things are we struggling with and, and that kind of stuff. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, also, and we, maybe we'll kick off with this. I was um, okay with two things. So, did you remember, Bubuva, you would I probably because you, I think you looked at this recently. There's a spot where like um, Saul ends up like naked. <laughs> Prophesying. Do <laughs> yep. you, you, you recall this story, Dan? This jump any bells. It's from 1 Samuel. Here I'll I'll just read the tale <laughs> end of it, okay? Um, I don't want to listen to this smut. <laughs> so so He's Saul, a tall man. Saul, Saul's trying to kill David. Uh he escapes. Saul goes to his daughter, who David was married to, and is like, where'd he go? <laughs> and she's like, he deceived me. He didn't. Uh no. she told him, she told him to flee. Uh <laughs> and but she's trying not to catch the wrath of her dad, okay? So it says so David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him everything Saul had done to him. And then he and Samuel left and stayed at naoth. Um and Saul finds out that he's Naoth and Ramah, and he sends agents to go find David. However, when they saw the group of prophets prophesying with Samuel leading them, the Spirit of God came on Saul's agents, and they also started prophesying. So like they find him. There's a bunch of, now now here's the thing, whatever you may whatever box we've tried to put like prophesying mm-hmm. into modern day the vision here is just dudes who are like (laughs) like like doing the most wacky version of prophesying that you can think of like this that is the vibe that we're getting here like they're doing it these guys come uh, come them and then they start doing it's
2: like a flu that they caught
1: yes yeah yeah exactly so i mean i'm just saying so like as much people you think that's crazy what these guys are doing i mean there's some context to where they might be getting it it happens okay then saul himself went to ramah he came to the large cistern And at Secu and asked, where are Samuel and David at Naoth and Ramah, someone said. I like this random someone. So he went to Naoth and Ramah. The Spirit of God also came on him, (laughs) and as he walked along, he prophesied until he entered Naoth and Ramah. Saul then removed his clothes and also prophesied before Samuel. He collapsed and lay naked all that day and all that night. That is why they say, is Saul also among the prophets? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, okay, so legit, as we're talking about this, before I even think about it, really, uh-huh. is naked the same thing here, like, in the buff completely? Or is that, like, a cultural thing where they were probably in their skivvies? Or is there not a difference between that, possibly? Like, I don't know. It just, I think it, they only ran one cloak. One done. I mean, they... Well, Hello, okay. world. Uh, naked,
1: I, our roommate. Yeah, it is, well, bear. It translates as mostly okay. naked or bear. I mean,
2: it's not really that important, but I just figured for context, does this mean dudes run around as chonies? Or uh, uh, or does that mean like he's just one cloak, two cloaking it?
1: No, no, it could be, uh, it said uh, totally. the Strong's definition says a uh, nude either partially or totally. So yeah, I mean, he, whatever. Doesn't
2: matter. Just figure it out. Ask.
1: Yeah.
0: Jonas. Yeah, I, I know that when I get ramped up uh, preaching, <laughs> um, there have been times I just start shedding the clothes yeah, yeah. <laughs> oops, oops. and then uh, curl up in a ball.
1: Wow, yeah. okay People leave, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, like, I don't want to be here for this prophesying. Here's yeah. what I'm gonna tell you: if you fellas gonna prophesy in the prayer room, you put up a sign for the next guy come <laughs> in. Think... Knock real loud. <laughs> now, in That's our modern context, like we would take it like the, the opposite way. If back in the day, if you walked up and you saw a naked dude, you're like, "This is some." This is some next-level prophesying. <laughs> I'm going in. Yeah. Right? But this, if you did it today, they'd be like, this is some not-level prophesying. I'm going the opposite <laughs> this direction. This weird stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: That dude is... In his choice. That's going to get you on
1: the sex offender list.
2: <laughs> so th- th-
1: this story caught me for three reasons. The first one is I was amazed that I did not remember it. <laughs> from, right. From having certainly come across this, certainly read through First Samuel, I thought, yep. why did this one not stick? <laughs> There's some ju- weird stuff. It jumps there. out at a man. Uh, I also thought it's it's also like an interesting, it's an interesting story to include in this parts of Samuel because like this is Saul's yeah. decline totally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but then you're like even so when he walks in the presence of, of of Samuel and God's prophets who are like doing something that isn't just like a show word for praying intently like there's there's something going on here that like uh it like there's crowds of people doing all at the same time that a demonstration of like he he got mostly bare in the efforts did not seem to surprise anybody they just go oh he must also be a prophet um oh. Which was so. It, what it did, but that was the third thing. Then is I looked at it, and I thought, you know, it's interesting in, in the terms of not putting a spirit in the box, but trying to be prudent with the word of God. Like it, it was just interesting to me to to catch the the vibe here of like dudes hanging around prophesying and like that God still allowed Saul to participate in that, yeah. uh, even in his even in his decline, right. Uh, I mean, and, and interestingly enough, like Saul still ruled for a long. It was like forty plus years or something. And so, like he he stunk kind of out of the gate. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. God continued to kind of allow that, even in his pursuit of like. D- don't you think it would have been weird? Samuel and David are right there, and Saul shows up, and they're just sitting there. Like, well, he was trying to kill me, but like, I mean, you can't touch a man while he's prophesying in the bear. Anyway, it's just an, yeah. it was an interesting story.
0: Well, and you know, you're you're kind of also inserting your own thought. It must be really wild. I mean, we don't know that. I mean, it could have been he was nude, Dan. Was, well, no, that got wild. I mean, I mean, like the prophesying Samuel and the
2: assassins. <laughs>
0: it could be a calm nude. I mean, yeah. I mean, the prophesying could have been, just, been him just him being chilling. overwhelmed with with the presence of God and him proclaiming whatever. And it so overwhelmed him that he just kind of like yeah, he just fell down and collapsed, and then, like his clothes fell off, and that happens all the time. <laughs>
1: do, do you, you ever say makes my clothes? <laughs> off no, have, have you ever done the towel? I've only ever heard that with is the, tequila, but the uh, uh,
0: clothesline pin—that's when it was, as a kid—that's that's probably what his kingly carbs was, and it just fell <laughs> off and maybe not
1: yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know i could be a little bit off base i could be there. off too but... I, yeah i'm just that's true like uh i i don't know exactly what it is but i feel like it's too shallow to act like if it seems like a r- normal run of course he seems to be I mean, two
0: preachers and and you can okay uh, i won't say that um uh, and, and you can tell if they're just phoning in or if they're like truly convicted yeah. with what's going on yeah, yeah yeah and i'm thinking in that setting they're like you could, they could just tell, okay, there's a God thing happening here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're saying mm-hmm. things like, you can't know this stuff without God. So I'm saying that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe they were flopping around and foaming at the mouth, too, but I, I, I would guess it's probably the
1: fourth. Oh yeah, and it doesn't have to be foaming. I'm just like w- whatever this is is obvious though. <laughs> it requires yeah, 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 foaming. Yeah. I just there's like got to uh, be foaming at the mouth. I just, <laughs> like there, it is something that like I guess w- 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 the thing that I thought was is that like there's all kinds of ways where I think about prophecy and it's just word f- words from God, right? It doesn't even have to be future. It could just be talking true things that are happening from God right. in, in that moment. Yeah. Th- con- things of conviction or whatever. He doesn't. It's too bad. I'd be interesting to see what it was. Like what was he saying? Like, that would have been interesting yeah. to know, but, like, it wasn't part of the – wasn't the point of the story. But, like, whatever it was, it was – if it appears physical, clear <laughs> right. to a crowd, and – uh, uh, like Infectious. An, enough of such, yeah, enough of such of which the they're like, yeah, he got naked. And they're like, uh, like I said, they didn't just go, oh, that's wild. They're like, oh, he no, must be a prophet as well. I mean, don't you think, think that was the point of of the, of the story was basically saying like, like it doesn't matter what level of rebellion or defiance you bring in here, the purifying presence of God strips it all out, right? Like the guy that was there mm-hmm. to do evil – Loses all track of what he was there to do, yeah. and, and continues like praising God through prophecy, and then strips even even his, his dirtiness of the world off completely, and he's mm-hmm. down to a weak vessel for yeah. God yeah. by the time by the time he gets there,
0: yeah. yeah. I think I think we're messed up with the nude part, yeah, yeah. We're, we're like, all, oh, he, and he was he, nude, he, yeah, you know, and it's like it, when they're overwhelmed, Jones. with the, the presence of God and God's something doing something. That's what you leave with with, the, with that thought. And yeah, I mean he
1: And he, in this particular situation he's the king antithesis. Yeah. Like he's the guy like the the head villain of the story. And like as he runs into the presence of God he's reduced to like I don't care who you are in the nude you're humble. Right? You're running a humble uh, well, a humble perspective. Yeah. Right? And so he's got he's got no defenses to him, he's got no aggression to him and even his words have changed from where's david to I love you, Yahweh. <laughs> hear, hear more well, about maybe. I don't, Dan, I don't understand how you're so dismissive of this new thing. It, it obviously stands out. <laughs> but put it this way: if Joel
0: Olstein suddenly just started preaching like the Bible, everyone would be in shock and awe. <laughs> and, and and if he was laying there naked, that'd be like, oh, and by the way, he was naked. You know, it, it, if there was like a, a powerful presence of God thing coming out, as opposed to, y'all feel good about yourself, you can do
1: it. Wait a minute. But you like a God think...
0: movement happened. No, no, I disagree.
1: <laughs> Dis- I just wanted to say Joel's I, just, I, disagree. I, I disagree that they're going to be like, oh, and by the way, he, he became completely new. <laughs> <laughs> that's a $2,000 suit. I do not agree with this. Okay. Anyway, this, but actually, I think that's that was the... Um, that was that was interesting. That was the last thing I took away from is I thought, like, think of think of what you would pray into a situation. You'd be like, God, protect me. This man is coming to kill me. And you've come up with two or three ways in which God may do it. None of which were like, hey, like, you're like, oh, stop him and put him in jail. Cause him to die on the way. Help me to flee where he doesn't see me. And God's like, no, let him come and he'll praise me in your presence. Yeah. You're like, okay, I just got to be cautious of like telling God how to solve a problem. He knows how to solve a problem. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Second thing that was on my mind. Uh, Don't forget it, that article we're going to read. Oh, oh about the seven pastors. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Now I got to go back and find. It. <laughs> I went to pull it up and I lost it. So um, we're, we're looking for an article that was around. Um, what was the things that make it more difficult to pastor like today? Right, Dan. Was that the? Was that the context? Yeah, when it's I, so much harder today than it used to be. Okay. They Actually, say. I better go grab it. I'm going to go pick it up. Well, it's taking a long time. So, all right. <laughs> I'm going to go, go this something else then. So um, th- there were, the, the question that was on my mind, um, I someone had said, like, uh, it was a, it was like a celebrity, kind of. And someone had asked them the question, like, they're asking they, – they often ask um, this person, hey, what do you think about this or that, this cultural hot-button issue? Is it a sin? Blah, blah, blah. Okay? And so, like – the the his response was kind of like hey i'm not sure that's really our our job and uh you know it's not my job to go finding the log in in the specs in somebody else's eye uh type of thing and then he'd quoted i think he quoted billy graham and said something to the extent of um you know it's it's the holy spirit's job to convict it's it's god's to rescue and it's ours ours to love and that was that was like the first half of the response and like the thing that the question was is that like that feels like a way if I believe that the good news changes the world in what way like didn't this seem like we're saying well but but don't share <laughs> right like um like it it's it's the first half of that response made me think like it just made me cautious that like if if you had if you had something if you had someone was dying of thirst and you had water in your jacket <laughs> uh, that you could share with them, like, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do that?
2: Yeah, it's like that, uh,
1: I mean, I'm, I think we talked about this maybe 10 years ago, that pen Gillette story where somebody came up to him after the show, and he's like, man, how much uh, should, would a dude have to hate me to, if they actually believed the gospel, not to share it? Yes, right, 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 right. Okay, so let me ask you a question, though. Okay, because... Yeah. I think part of that is uh can be if viewed through the right, right lens, I think that's right. but like part of that is assuming that you're the changer of that situation. Like the words you're going to say is that even if it's even if they're biblical words, right? like but don't you believe that's an action of the Holy Spirit that allows that change in person, or someone to have ears to hear for anything you're saying? How many Bible verses have you ripped off like in your whole life that have completely fell flat? And did nothing, did absolutely nothing. They were good, sound teaching. You bumped it right out of the word, right? You hit them with John. You said, Paul said this thing. It's totally apropos for this situation. You said, I was built for this. I just recently read this. And then you fire it out and it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing uh sure, but like but in that same regard, think of the letters of Paul where he's quoting Jesus, like he seems to think that the use of the words that Jesus has used that um and directing and and telling people those things is important and valuable and helpful to them yeah i don't I don't think I disagree with that. I think that when we're I think that you can think of throughout your lifetime examples of where you've said you said nothing biblical, you just gave good counsel, yeah. It had characteristics of God in it, but whatever, you nailed it, and it it seemed to have wings and meant something, and people yep. held on to it and it changed. And then you've quoted Corinthians and they're like, it didn't matter at all. So like it's it's a it's slightly I hear what you're saying, and I'm not trying to downgrade, obviously, that we're gonna say the things that Jesus said, right? But like uh I think there is a little bit of a misstep that you think that you're gonna plan this thing out, or that there's a there's a there's a way that you're gonna do this thing that's gonna have a success to it as if you're the person that will make the difference.
2: And in those Paul situations like that, those are letters being written to to churches that he was a part of planting sure. and teaching, yep. and most of the time he sent them with people. Yep. Like, hey, I'm also sending these to you to to be around yep. you and encourage you, right? Like, yep. it was a much more personal thing than uh, a, a national article or, or podcast or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. being sent out to the masses, right? And like... I I know I know the opposition to what I'm about to say but like in in this situation it feels less like point, pointing out something like these hot button issues and then like how God would would truthfully believe in them and and state them as as his law and like how we should be doing things right sound to me feels less like I've got water and I'm next to the person that needs a drink and it more feels like i've got a glass of water, and I'm going to send a picture of it to somebody across the world that is really thirsty,
1: yeah, 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 okay, so I think that's a good point so the the and this gets Mike I think to a little bit what you're getting at in that so the context matters yeah so the 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 what people are the the context of which someone is asking that type of question or how they're engaging you is different, so you know in this room um I, I wouldn't have – the relationships are as such that if something was going on in somebody's life, I would have no problem saying it whatsoever. Right. And I would point you back to things that Jesus said to be clear that this isn't me trying to say, here's my opinion on their life. This is me going, you trust right. Jesus. Jesus said this. Yep. That should otherwise help guide you, right? And so that the context of that, just like the context of Paul's letters, um, is different than someone is, is, is saying, hey, I want you to answer to this. Now – but the, the but this isn't just. I think it's easy if we just said, look, these are like um, antagonists, atheistic antagonists, mm-hmm. right? But like this is a Christian fella, and these are Christians who are asking this question. Because, yeah. Now they're looking for so, so there is legitimate confusion or wrestling or tussling with some of these hot button things where people are like, they're not saying. I want a flashpoint. They're like, I do not know. I've heard you say or teach or sing or do something that gives me confidence that you seem to understand these types of things. Can you help me? Hmm. Do you you think it's wrong to say that if they, that if those people asked God for that answer, that he would not provide it? Do you find that to be uh, an overstep? of the way that God interacts with his people. Uh well, it no, I think God will provide it, but but interestingly enough, like 99.99% of the time he uses other people to yeah. answer. <laughs> He's waiting for you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I don't think yeah. I disagree with that. I think that like my general thought is, is like, I, cause I would think the same thing, right? Like I find like a pastor that I enjoy listening to or a worship band that I think sticks to what is good. And I'm yeah. like, it'd be super interesting to hear their take on this because they seem like they're kind of, they kind of understand it, you know? Um, but I think it also becomes a crutch similar to a pastor, right? Where, where people stop running things through cursory Bible reading and prayer yeah, and then go, well, they'll give me the hot takes Like Mm -hmm. they've walked down this road before. I'll just get it from another guy, you know, because like, you know how God works. He doesn't give you the thing in the time that you wanted it. He doesn't give you the thing in the situation you thought you were going to use it in, right? Like he tempers the the information that he gives you and and, and, and when he wants you to use it. And you're like, you will instantly go, well, maybe I can do this outside of his. I'll just take good counsel with somebody else, which is okay. That's all right and good. But I think the question is, is like, did you... Did you ask God first? I guess that's what I'm asking. Like, did you go to the source first, and is is he using other people to answer that question that you that you gave him, or did you go? There's no reason to ask him. I'll just ask Chris Llewellyn. He'll yeah. hit me up. Yeah, <laughs> he'll tell me the deal. That's where I think that 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 maybe that that might be a mistake.
0: Here, I, I think I think the danger of the entertainment industry, whether it's uh, a a musician or one of the, you know, rock star mega church pastors, or anybody, it, your success is determined on the size of the crowd, or the, the number of whatever you sell. Uh, the popular number of voices, or the number of uh, eyes on the, if you have a TV thing, you know, the, the stuff. Yep.
1: Yeah, TV and, thing, Dan, we're with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and, and we, we have lost the edge in American church as we all want to be entertainers. I mean, even the small church dudes like I got to become the big one, right? I would become the mega, and and so we we have turned our back in many ways on hitting the hot buck, hot button issues because we don't want to be offensive, and and it, it, as opposed to Jesus who, who you know called people up and said, hey, here's the stuff. Now why don't y'all leave if you can't take it? You, you know he, he was the anti crowd guy. People came anyway because because truth is compelling, and and a, and a Messiah and a Savior who will forgive my sins. Man, I'll I'll I'll. Yeah, I'll keep hanging on. But some people won't. And it's like, it's tough to lose those sales or those seats, you know, butts in the seat for the church or, or clicks on the website or whatever there is they're looking for. And and so we, we in many circles, have, have shied away from really answering what Scripture says about things. I don't want to offend anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean the question is, is it gets back to the context issue. Is that like, do yeah. I believe that the truth of scripture is a salve? I do. I do think that. Um yes. but if I take a tube of salve and smack you in the face for the versus I put it on the wound, it's going to come across differently. Yeah. And so contextually, there is there's probably two things. They're like, what, what who are we talking to here? What is the audience? What are they like, how are they going to, to, to take the thing in that we're that we're saying? Um but conversely, like I have nothing else to offer if I don't have the salve yeah. that Jesus, like what, like my worldly wisdom is is nothing. You
0: put salve on someone who believes in the salve, they're gonna they're gonna put a wrapping around it and protect it. You put it on a dog, it's gonna lick it off.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, okay. So. I get, I get what you're saying. Okay, good. I'm just making sure you guys taking it in. Dan, like, that, was be- that was a beautiful moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I licked so, the serve. <laughs> so, I'm no longer healed. Mike's the kind of guy to do that. So, what's interesting is, I suppose, is that like if we were pressed with the same thing, because maybe, I mean, let's just say somebody came and like wrote t- said, "Life in the path. Will you tell us how to think about this particular thing?" I can't think of a situation where I wouldn't answer it. Yeah, because we don't care, though. Yeah, I mean, like, we care about the answer. We don't care if we have. Oh, we just lost
0: two hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah. yeah oh, so whatever. here's the thing:
1: is though they care about that because it's assigned to people, right? That's why it's such a tough slog. It is like cash. like yeah. it's the it's. I think it's more than that. I think that that people like the reason like take the hot button issues that that culture is dealing with at the moment. The reason anybody wants to continue to talk about them is because there's people that are trapped in it. Yeah. It doesn't matter the fa- what brand of sin someone is trapped yeah. in. As yeah. soon as you figure out the brand of sin that someone has got, lost their freedom to, now you're like, well, let's talk about that subject as a whole as if there's some black and white or some gray to it. There's no gray to it, and you know there's no gray to it, right? What you're really trying to say is, I know this person who is a slave to this. Yeah. How do I even talk to this person. We're not talking about the thing. Everybody knows the thing God has already said. No, that's not what's good for you. There's not freedom there. And then they got snared by it. And you're like, can you tell me your take on blah, 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 blah. Because you think that you might glean a little information to have a conversation with your friend, Craig. That's what you really want to know. It's the people that are gray and they're trying to make the sin out to be gray or have some levels to it. So maybe you can understand it better. And you can't, you got a people problem. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. And so like, I, now I would say there are, there are situations where, like in this context, presuming that if you, like, if you're listening to the program and you're saying, hey, what does the Bible say on this thing? I think we should be able to, as Bible teachers, as people who love Jesus, who who I think the truth is a salve, I think I would. I would tell you that does not prescribe how you go about interacting with someone who is struggling with that thing or having a, a a situation like just just because you have a true thing, it does not mean how you go again contextually how you go about interacting with someone in regards to it. like that that is more kitchen table stuff. I think that's I think it's a miss to act like you can just like chuck a Bible into someone's you know living room and go see. I told you – like, like you didn't meet Jesus there. And, like, I think – again, when we're answering questions, I'm presuming, for example, there's a background that we agree on Jesus. We agree that Jesus is good and that I can find something he says and not have to redo the Sermon on the Mount for you to understand that Jesus says these things because he loves people. But, like, that doesn't mean that's the context to which you're entering in. And so, like – I don't want people to get a half bit of good news simply because I was too lazy to do relational work and background understanding of who Jesus is and what he's after. And so if you're using the answer to some sort of hot-button thing so that you can convict somebody, then your heart is bad. Like like if that's – the thing that you're after is that they know they suck – then your heart is rough and you shouldn't participate in those types of things. I think the Holy Spirit will do conviction work. Uh as you meet Jesus, as you hear Jesus say good things and you trust that, the Holy Spirit will shake all that stuff up around in you, but and it but it is still is incumbent upon God's people to follow and treat his truth as salve. But like again, sometimes the can you can do less contextual work in the church than you have to do elsewhere. And I would say that it is your liability if you're gonna answer, talk about something that's hot button that is not, say, within the five guys in the this room here, then I probably have contextual work to do. And I. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't get in yourself in the conversation. Uh, yeah, I think that's 100% right. Right? Like, just because they've said a true thing... Like, I have I have plenty of people I know that are in the homosexual lifestyle, right? I don't want them having that conversation with the Westboro Baptist Church. I don't. They're terrible. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, I think they, they say a true thing, kind of, in a horrible way, not attached to God's heart at all, but they do say a true thing most of the time. And so, like, but I would never want them to think that that's the way God views them, right? Because of this thing. So like it really does boil down to it's a people conversation and people want to know for one, one, a very good and loving reason. And two, for a nefarious, a nefarious, terrible reason. One, they have someone in their life that they want to be able to try to have this conversation with and they can't figure out how to do it. And they feel like they're messed up and they can't see straight and they can't get their ducks in a row. And they're like, I just hope that someone will give me any bit of wisdom that I can not really own. I'm just going to turn around and fire it out and hope it does work. Right? Yep. That's what they're trying to do. It's a foolish way to, it's not going to help. Right? This is a, you need to You need to pray. This is a praying situation for you, and you need to double down on that. The other person just wants to get this fact so they can go attack people with it. And that is not the love of Christ either. Right? They just want to hit somebody yeah. with a bat and go, I don't struggle in that way. I don't struggle at all. In fact, you're the worst. And then here's all the reasons why. Yeah. And so like, neither one of those games we, we want to be involved in. Yeah. Neither one of those things are good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think we can have grace on the context of what you're dealing with, but like, given the pressures um, within our society or that, that have always been, it's not unique to our society. Of like, here's the thing that God said is good and true. Here's the thing that the world around me is telling me. I don't think it serves us well to not be able to be to be inarticulate around things that that God says is, a, is are good. I think you need to be able to speak to that. Yeah. Yeah, you should know the difference between freedom and not freedom, and you should be able to tell somebody that. Yeah, you I, should you should be able to easily say that Jesus died for freedom. That's what he's trying to gift you, and the thing that you're choosing is not freedom. <clears throat> you're you're picking which pharaoh you're going to align yourself with, and that's all that you're doing. Yeah, you should be able to know the difference between which things are freedom and not freedom, and you will know that by uh, reading your Bible. And you don't have to shy away from any of that. You can definitely say freedom and not freedom, no problem. Yeah, I mean, th- think of it like ma- take Matthew's gospel. Half of it is teaching. Is Jesus teaching? And like he's draw, he's not not drawing lines in that you have to see Scripture as like an implicit rule book. I think that's one of the it's one of the the rough runs we have here. Is like as opposed to looking at Scripture as a kind of a codification of God's interaction with His people, so that we may know understand Him and then understand ourselves. Like we start making things binary. Um, that like it's either a rule or. Uh, in absence of something, there are no rules. That's not, that's looking at Scripture wrong. But, like, 40% of or half of what Jesus is doing in Matthew is teaching. It's telling you how to see the world, the things that put you at risk, the things that lead to righteousness. And so, like, to act like those things are not salve, I think, misunderstands them. Yeah, and freedom generally comes with obedience, right? Obedience is—like, people think that, like, uh, obedience is akin to slavery. It is not, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's the opposite of slavery. It's you choosing to do a good thing— over and over and over again, yeah. and that's what produces freedom. So the opposite of slavery is obedience. It's just watching what you're obedient to, and and that's exactly what Jesus is offering. He's like, I see the situation you're in. I see the things that come across your plate. I know the desires and temptations that you have and the leanings that you were born with or whatever comes across to you, and I'm telling you, this is where freedom lies, and that's what he is offering. If It is so easy. If you want to break the whole thing down to somebody that doesn't know Jesus at all, we're talking about freedom and not freedom, and Jesus is all about freedom, and He wants you to choose it through Him because that's where ultimate freedom is co- is coming from. That is the best way to, tr- to start that conversation if you feel like you have to have one. Yeah. What what are you pondering over there, Booba?
2: A lot of stuff. Okay. A lot of stuff. Um, I, I, it's interesting to me because like I, I have probably misquoted and misunderstood and misrepresented the whole um, he, he without sin, cast the first stone thing, mm-hmm. right? Over and over again, I think to myself in these kind of conversations, like, I, I, I try and put myself in the place of what Jesus is telling me to do versus what the Jews at that time are doing, right? Like, they see there's a problem. There's a legit issue where there's an adultering woman, right? And they know about this. And they know the laws that that lead up to this. They know the covenants that God has set out and all these different things. And there are punishments for this stuff, right? Like, there are, this is problematic behavior. And in that... They go, okay, well, we know what we need to do. We are going to call this out and then enact punishment for it. And Jesus comes along and is essentially like calls them out for them being, you know, the ones who are just like, oh, you're willing to call out everyone else's sin, but not dealing with your own. You know, he, without the sin, cast the first stone and they all go, oh, crap, drops, drop the stone and then walk away. And then Jesus doesn't back down from the situation, goes, okay, well, they were right, though, like – I saved you from this situation because I want better for you and this is what the kingdom looks like in actuality. Um, but like, go and sin no more. Like there's there's a problem with what you were doing. You need to stop doing that, right? And so I struggle with these kind of conversations in that light because I think to myself like, Am I the person that's supposed to be calling out this kind of sin in that context, right? Like if someone asked me on an Instagram live and I'm talking to 20,000 people, what do you think about homosexuality? There's an answer. There's an answer that I would want to give, but like... It's not freedom. But do I feel like in that situation, even though I do know the answer, would I want to call that out because... I, I? Yes, it's true, but am I actually gaining any ground for the kingdom by doing that? Or am I pushing people away because it's just – it's a statement that they're going to take and they're going to run with and go, oh, it's just another person that hates us. It's another person that that's just representing that God has this rule book to follow and doesn't know me, doesn't love me, and things like that. If I were – like we've talked about kitchen table conversation, a friend comes up to me that I know or even a person out on the street comes up to me that I don't know but I can – have community with after I give this kind of answer, I would feel much more comfortable giving that answer because I know that like, I have the opportunity to back this up with a, there is an answer to this that's black and white. Yes. But let me tell you the the context behind that and why it's something that's important. Like, let me represent a God that is much bigger than just the question that you're asking.
1: Now, I I think that is interesting because I, I think gut sometimes we're like, well, yeah, I mean, are are we not, are we dodging truth if we don't, Say the thing in front of twenty thousand people, hmm. but like I want to, I want to, I want to present you the thought that like Jesus often dodges this very situation. People are approaching him and they're saying, "I want you to." They, they're, they're right. Trying, they're trying to trap him. Yes. For the purposes of the crowd, to get people to, to get hosed yep. off about right. the things he's doing, and what, they will. And what he answers, he he answers those things, but he answers them in a God's relationship to someone, character of God stuff, super subverts him. Not not sin, not sin question. And so, like, I think we do have to be super cautious of, like, hey, if if the belief that says, look, any situation, if someone asks you a point-blank question, you have to give a point-blank answer or you're dodging the gospel. Right. Because, like, I, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, prior to the show, is that so when, when Paul it interacts with his context, when he's in that garden of the gods and uh, he doesn't mention Jesus at all, he takes their religious context yep. and then points them to God using that contextual information. Uh, and you could go well. Paul refused to say Christ crucified. He didn't even say the name of Jesus. He must. He must suck. He's dodging the gospel. I mean, this is a guy who was willing to be get beat up all over the place for right. it. And so, but the the context was different. And so, like, I actually think it is it is a, a, a immature to say I don't care what your context is. You answer this question in this way. It's not wise. It lacks wisdom to say that. It's 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 too it's too childish an evaluation to me.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. go ahead, Dan. I say I think at the same time you have to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit sometimes there may be the bold statement sometimes there isn't. I mean yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't think you put a blanket rule
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, sometimes you hose off the crowd in the uh, yeah. auditorium and get beat up for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes,
0: yeah. yeah. sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Uh, yeah, so you got to have some discernment, and and hopefully you you've been uh, you're in tune with what the Holy Spirit's how He's leading, and uh, let Him do His thing, because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's not my right. great right. wisdom and ability to argue my point. Uh, you know, yep. That's helpful, but it's the Holy Spirit, it's God who convicts, and 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 let Him do His job.
1: Yeah, I, but that goes back to the earlier point, though, is that like I do, I am cautious that um, we remove ourselves from the situation as if we're not of and about God's work. Like, think of mm-hmm. again, Jesus says, "Hey, you're going to get pulled in front of the governors, and the Holy Spirit will give you something to say." He didn't say you're going to get pulled in front of governors and just stay in there patiently while the Holy Spirit convicts the king Agrippa without you right. saying mm-hmm. anything, like. Yeah. I, I, it's just like we've. I, I want to be. God always uses our hands, feet, elbows, and eyelashes. And I think it's to our detriment to think that our work is not part of that, that He's not using us in that way. Heck, He created two people, and the first thing He did was get, put them to work and say, You name the animals. Don't ask me what you <laughs> want it to be. You go ahead. And yeah. so, like, I, I just think it's more. It's always more nuanced than the situation. Just like, I, I don't think you can just present and say, Give me hot button, you know, answer. Yeah. Or. Yeah. You're not you don't love Jesus like I'm I'm or you're a coward I'm just I'm not buying that but it doesn't mean that there is not a, a situations of which like even in that God' will go yep you're gonna say the thing
0: yeah so sometimes right. the crowd needs to have the opportunity to say I reject you God yeah yeah that's true I mean only eight made it on the ark right I mean there was a lot of preaching going on yeah <laughs> you know I mean at the, at the end you know it's not going to be a well for most people I mean it's just the that's what it is yeah and and so i want to bring as many as with us as possible but let them say no i don't want to say no for them
1: i think i think that boldness is tough because if you're not being careful to where it's tethered it -hmm. feels like a measure of your arrogance
0: yeah Yeah. absolutely
1: that's and and like anybody who knows better is afraid of this yeah as they should be right because you're like man i want to be bold for you, Jesus, you know, but like as soon as you say, I'm going to be bold, and then you walk out the house, you done actually half screwed yourself, right? Like, like I think Dan's right. It is, it is a movement of God. I find people – this is the only thing that I'll say against this, though. I find people get really bold when they're talking to other Christians, and then when <laughs> they're not – like they they kind of shrivel a little bit, Uh right? Like they they feel really emboldened, like they're going to bring a word to the church about their lukewarmness and then get a bunch of people who are fired up because it's easy, right? The context is already there. The works is already built. And then all of a sudden, all you have to do is fire them up. If you call a Christian lukewarm, they're instantly offended because there's so much context already built in for people who grew up in the church or have been to a church for any amount of time you're like that's horrible that's one of the worst things i could be i don't want to be vomited <laughs> you know this is so bad you know but like i could call a random dude look man you're lukewarm he's like yeah i suppose <laughs> i don't know that sounds better than being on fire or cold <laughs> sure <laughs> you know and so like i it just it feels like maybe god has has designed you in a way or has, has put people around you that maybe you are the guy that just stands up in front of a, a church congregation and you nail him to the wall. And maybe God's got that for you. He will refine his people with a finer grit sandpaper than he hits the public with, because you should know better. You've been given all the information, your heart's had a time to process it and you are ignoring him, even though you're claiming his identity. He does, he does get the Brillo pad out and do some scraping, right? Now everybody else, right? Like just look at the way he deals with Pharisees versus Like common people, common people is probably the offensive, but you know what I'm saying? Like Gentiles, Gentiles (laughs) who don't know anything about about, how he deals
2: with the Pharisees or the lowly. Or the lowly.
1: (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, like he just leads different. Right. And, and, and it's, of course he's got all the advantages of being the Christ. (laughs) So that's, that's a thing. Jesus cheats. But once again, if you compare, like, like we always say, it's not fair. Jesus cheats. Right. But like, we got the Holy Spirit. And there's a, the, the the only difference between the complete boobery of Peter before, prior to Jesus's crucifixion and the eloquent mission-guided speech that he gives at Pentecost is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it, right? That's the difference between a guy that can't stumble over his own two toes and goes to profaning that he'd ever known Jesus ever, and then he fires a speech out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, one of the one of the considerations I think here is is. I, they're trying to protect a right thing here. Right. And, and like I said, I, I actually don't even agree this where this ended up was basically, you know, every, a lot of people ask this, these feel like kitchen table kind of conversations and relationship level conversations. I think that's, I think that can be a contextual output that can be right. Um, but like, sometimes we, in order to protect the way that it's been done wrong, we can also throw out a way that it's, it can be done right. And so like, If some guy's mopping the floor with dirty water, I could say, well, look, we just we don't mop anymore. Or I could just make sure, look, don't don't use the dirty water. (laughs) Right. Use something. So I I think um, on both sides uh, of of how you might think of this either. Hey, I I don't think we should we don't want to be bold in how we speak about those things, uh, lest it be used out of context. Um, or conversely, I think we like totally need to go to town. Like, there's a way to do it wrong. There's probably a hundred ways to do it wrong. Right. It doesn't mean that there's not a way to do it right and that the Holy Spirit won't guide you in those things. And the, contextually, it could be bold, like bold in front of a crowd tomorrow and then uh, something that you save for a kitchen table the next day. And like, so you should be thoughtful, prayerful, discerning. And then then go for it.
2: Yeah, it's almost like the whole situation of, like, I can't call out somebody having a spec in their eye because I've got a log in mine. That isn't to say never call somebody out. Get the dang log out. And then go talk about specs. <laughs> yeah, I like, actually, people read
1: that verse and go, well, I can never call anyone's spec out. You know, because they believe it's impossible the log will ever leave. You are totally discounting the entire thing that Jesus was talking about. You're like, I will never be able to tell anyone of their sin yeah. because this log will perpetually <laughs> exist in mine. Get the log
2: out. Get to, the log <laughs> and then come go, out. Hey, buddy, I see a speck.
1: I think, actually, Dan was talking about that. Uh, Dan, I cut uh, cut some one of your reels today. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, just talking about, like, we get we get somehow comfortable with this thought that like, hey, sin just doesn't ever go away or stop. I sin all the time. It's crazy. (laughs) Right, right, right. Jesus didn't mean to say you have a perpetual log in front of your eyes. It's just like be humble and rightfully acknowledge that thing. And then you still go, hey, fella, you're going to trip over yourself. I feel like I just wanted to warn you because I love you. Okay. All right. Hey, maybe you got any thoughts on that? Just let us know. 515-517-00000. 8.5, Eight five. it's just uh, – I think it's one of those things that we're talking about witnessing at work and all kinds of things where it feels like there's a tension. Um, it's because we're always trying to protect against an excess, which is understandable. And, like, there's a humility in that that's good. Um, and I think we always end up around the same thing, which is, well, I mean, kind of depends on the situation. Uh, you probably should use your discernment and you should be praying. Uh, and then, you know, I I'm probably cautious on how – That we're gracious with how God might be using some other people because, like, sometimes Paul pisses off the crowd, and sometimes he doesn't even say the name of Jesus so that the crowd will hear him correctly. We've got to be open to both.
0: The tension isn't on whether or not people like us. It's the tension is whether or not they've received
1: the message. Right. Yes. That's our heart in all of that. Yes, Uh, that's right. I hope for all churches. I mean, for all Christians out there. Yes, that's right. As a matter of fact, I I, I was thinking about that when we were having the conversation is that I don't— I'm I'm pretty sure that if like that if God said Ben I need you to go say this thing that is just going to hose off ten thousand people I'm I if I if I thought God was that's what God was about like I don't care I, I'm I'm glad to say it because God said that's the thing it's the true thing He goes I'd go forth but like I think the problem and the boldness I think Mike to your point is like is this the thing that I'm uh, is, it, is there any of me in here? Am right. I walking humbly? Like, actually, that was one of the things, the responses that the, 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 the fellow had gave, which is right. Like, are you walking humbly with God? Right. Part of, you know, uh, am I, do I, I've, so, this is this is a Facebook problem. It's a Twitter problem, which were people like, I want to be the guy who calls a sin a sin. This is about you.
2: Right. This Boldness is a, for your glory.
1: Yeah. Now, you could have a humble guy who's walking with Jesus and Jesus is having to do this kind of thing because his heart's in the right place and to some effect, it's a completely different situation. Tweet may be the exact same tweet, <laughs> yeah. right? But like it's a humility problem when like you become – when you feel like you became the world's Holy Spirit and the world's king and conqueror um, and you're doing it because you want someone to grind, not because you're looking for the rescue. Because Jesus' purpose of these things is to call you into goodness and freedom. If that's not your heart, you need to stay out of the conversation. Yeah. You're not going to beat God to the punch of calling a sin to sin. He already did that. <laughs> yeah. He already nailed it. And yeah. if that's any comfort for you, like I know you folks are struggling with some of these rougher conversations, uh, the conversations indeed will take Holy Spirit and they will take uh, some humility on your part. But the situation, it's black and white. God already called it. He already called what was freedom and what wasn't. And you already know the answer to that. So you can stop struggling with that right now. That's It's not a conversation for you to be worried about. There's not a nuance you're missing. God already nailed it. He called freedom, freedom. He called sin, sin. And so, like, be done with that, and look at your stuff in the context where you're like, "I'm struggling with this because the people attached to it. That's the part that I'm struggling with, and I can't do this on my own. i need I need help, yeah, which is totally right. Like which I is get, right. to Dan's point, like if we're you're looking at um we we want people to hear the the message of Jesus, and we don't want our and you know, some sort of ambition in the message to obscure the thing that God is saying. Uh, and so, yeah, walk humbly and uh, and do the things that God has asked you to do. Yeah. And and and, and but, but to to buffer the last point again is like you have to believe that the things that God calls us good are a salve to a wounded world. Like I have to believe that. Yeah, and that your love is not better than his. That's right. Right? Like if you if you hold back some of his love in place of your more worldly looking love that might get you to get along a little bit better, you're not you don't that's not a better love. Like his is the ultimate love. Yeah. and yours you're doing the best you can to reflect that and when you when you temper it and shade it down a little bit because you think his love is hard to take in you're misunderstanding his love yeah. that's not right okay that's a five one five five one seven zero zero eight five that's a live from the path complaint line we'd love to hear your thoughts um have you interacted with stuff like this is that um, has this been a challenge? Um, for you, have you overstepped? You say, look, I went, I went bold and I feel like I, I set stuff on fire when I was supposed to bring a blanket and some Kool-Aid. I don't know. So life in the path of line, 515-517-0085. All right. We're going to do, um, th- there's an article for seven reasons. Pastoring a church is harder today. And then, uh, Buva's, uh, talking deconstruction. And I think we will have set up a fine program for this evening for you. Uh, so this guy says, I'm sure that pastoring a church has always been difficult. At the same time, though, it seems much harder today than it was 35-plus years ago when I started in full-time pastoral ministry. Dan, how long have you been uh, doing ministry? 39 years. Okay. I wrote this article. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote it. Sit down, chat. Four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, so Dan had it easy street for like 30 years, and then now he's run into it. Let's see what he says. It's not really I
0: mean, it is different. It
1: is for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, the question is from Chuck Lawless. Uh, In what ways is it harder? I don't know. Okay. So Dan, I think you read the article, but like, so maybe this question, I don't know if it'd be for anybody else in the room or not. Like, can you think of ways of which you think, okay, I could see where that could be more difficult today versus say 30, 40 years ago?
2: I was trying to The find internet. What's um, <laughs> that? The internet and all of the accesses to so many things because of it.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like like the comparison game uh, of back then, it was like, hey, I get tapes from Charles Stanley or something, and you know, you get them mailed to you on cassette tape, and then and then it'd be like, well, he's a better preacher than you are. Now it's like there's nine thousand blogs you can listen to every day. So there's uh, people with full, you know full time staffs <laughs> helping them put sermons together. They're all quality preachers. So. That that the comparison game, is, I mean, I use it doesn't psych me out, but it uh, it's different, definitely different. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're looking like what? <laughs> yeah, no,
2: I no. just I have no clue who Charles Stanley is, and oh. he just died recently. But he, for yeah. for the for the sake of giving the context here, for some reason, I thought you were saying Charles Stanley was where you got like nudie tapes from. And like you ordered, <laughs>
1: what? You, what? Like Only I thought prophecies. you were saying in the context of like
2: internet and like access to things. The comparison again. Oh, here's like a, a, a well known preacher. I thought yeah. you were saying like Daddy's you would have Dad. to order from the Charles Stanley, which was some like well named, <laughs> like fronted experience of of some gross. Content that was on videotape. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I you. went there with it, but I did. I apologize to the memory of Charles Stanley. Yeah, I,
1: if you're offended at the Chuck Stanley skin collection <laughs> oh, from dear. John Boober the third, that's five one that's five Perfectly five, seven, acceptable to be eight, at me five, about. Yeah.
2: I'm so sorry. Okay, keep going.
0: Okay, so so internet, so like I, the um, the comparison game, or, yeah. you know something, like that, yeah, that um, I'm just just the receptibility. Like like culture has shifted so much. Uh, where 40 years ago you could say sin is sin, and people would be like, well, of course it is, you know, yes. Mm. And now it's like, well, you do you, you know. It, it's like, that's your interpretation, that's your, yeah. uh, I have a different truth. So culture has shifted dramatically. I actually find that rather more exciting than 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 fearful. I have a lot of peers that, that you know, are yep. angry or... <laughs> I love the smell of lack of truth in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I just feel like we're living in the book of Acts now. Before we were like in Mayberry,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, and, th- well think about that. Like, it's the same contextual problem as. First, they went to the Jews because the Jews had the background, yeah. and then the message had to go to the Gentiles, where they we did not share common language or understanding of yeah. the world. It's right. not a new problem, though. Right? It is exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like reading out of the Bible now. Uh, it doesn't make it any easier. I mean, because I'm not as smart as Paul, right? I, yeah. Sometimes I, I I kick myself. Man, I wish I was I was a Paul. I wish I would know when I go to here. I just say, hey, there's this
1: unknown God, you know. But and right. rather than you know whatever I do, um, do you think, Dan? What like could one of the problems be like the the, the push or the thought to, like, um, preach outside your community because of the, the the Internet, right? like So, like, 35 years ago, you, you basically, your community was the church that you were in, right? And you pastored it, and you, you you took care of that community, and those were the people that you taught and loved. But because your stuff is, is video and your sermons are out to everywhere, like, your thought is, well, now my online viewers will also, like, this community is now somebody that we have to keep track of is and try different. to serve well.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it's just a different animal in, in that before I hate to use the word brand, but there was brand loyalty. You know, uh, Baptists stayed with Baptists; Lutherans went to a Lutheran church. If they were to move into a new community or or whatever, they would go to their brand that they know and that they trust and that their uh, belief. Now, doctrine's like unknown; like they they, they mm-hmm. could give a rip with the doctrine oftentimes what the doctrine of a church is they they want to know does it feel good does, does right. it the program I want is that the vibe I'm looking for, and, and it's like you know what uh, we we're not going to be everybody's vibe you know yeah. so there are plenty of people come and then never come back and other people come and then try to change it you know to, to like a different vibe and it's like well why are you you knew this is how who we were so you know <laughs>
2: right. we're not saying different things than we've been saying for a very very long yeah time. yeah
0: yeah Do it's f- disappointing like from a pastor's point of view to see people who will go. To uh, well, how, how do I say this nicely? A what I would consider to be doctrinally inferior setting mm-hmm. from one that 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 looks at Scripture and has a high regard for yeah. it, and think, wow, you're doing that just because they they have a, a better coffee bar or whatever.
2: I mean, you know, like, <laughs> right. what like, are you actually chasing? Chasing yeah, what matters? Yeah, yeah.
0: Now you're raising your children in that setting, yeah, right. and because it, it just has a better vibe. And, and that's sad. Like it's it a
2: like it's a way more individu-
1: individualistic approach to saying, "Does this church fit me?" Yeah, yeah.
0: Not, Where do I
2: fit? Chasing in this the church. vibes.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, and and then to pull people from that into, "Hey, we're part of a mission. and God's the head. You know, and we're doing a thing." Uh, it, it's more challenging. Before it was just a given, right? Um,
2: do you find that there's a difference in uh, I suppose like societal thought nowadays feels different from 40 years ago when. It was a much less question-everything society, whereas today, like, everything is questioned by every person. The kind of things like the church and the Bible that have stood for so long, 40 years ago, may not have been on the chopping block at all times. Whereas now, whether it's access to content, whether it's access to a more push for for individual thought or push for the question-everything mentality, where... The basic things that we've known and thought for a long time are on that chopping block of, well... I'm going to question the the concepts of of marriage. I'm going to question the concepts of family. I'm going to question the concepts of what is faith? What is religion? Who is God? All these things really are constantly on societal chopping block now. It
0: it was not uncommon 40 years ago to see people driving around with bumper stickers that said, God's, the Bible said it, or God said it, I believe it, that's final. I mean, (laughs) literally bumper stickers. And today, you know, you take that same uh, bumper sticker, it'd be like, God said it, I'm not really sure. And, (laughs) eh, you know, it's a moving target. I mean, you know, you're right. It's everything? Everything's up for debate. now. Yeah. And, and so uh, it, it's hard. You don't just quote a Bible verse and have people go, "Oh, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. Now I believe." They're like, oh, "So, right?" You know, there's that always been that segment. Stand the way that you stand. But but it, that's the the, the vast. Yeah. You know.
1: All right. But, let's see what the let's see what the seven things that Chuck says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what they were. Yeah. So uh, Chuck says these are the seven things that he believes as uh, why reasons pastoring a church is harder today. Uh, One, the internet has influenced church. Uh, Church members now face pornography that comes to them. Angry members create websites to attack church leaders. Even pastors may be tempted to claim as their own somebody else's material found on the internet. Especially when, is internet capitalized by the way? Is it a proper noun?
2: The The internet, internet, yeah. yeah. The isn't, but internet is? I mean, I think you're talking about, like, a, a, a concept that could be an idea, a noun. He capitalized it, and I, it looks weird to me. That's what I'm All right. saying. Unnecessary See, right. hey, colon. Mike, it,
1: it happens when you sit in that chair. You start criticizing <laughs> the grammar. Internet unnecessary <laughs> capitalization. Anyway, uh, people are claiming their own material found on the net, especially when church members now compare our preaching to heroes they listen to on the World Wide Web. So to Dan's point, uh, yeah, very it much so. Um, I guess I didn't think about uh, people's access to what we would consider evil, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, he, oh, yeah. like before we kept it in dens of iniquity. You know what I'm saying, right? Like right. If you're going to do something on the uh, on the grayer side of life, you'd have to go to a yeah. place where grayer yeah, sides. You do happen. that behind yeah. the temple, right? You Dad's,
0: a, Dad's magazines are over there on that top shelf. You can't yeah. reach. Instead right. of getting it from. Chuck Stanley. I
2: wasn't going to say it. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I'm man. so sorry.
1: again into the memory. I'm so sorry. Right. You had to have a, like a third vehicle, and that's the one you used to go to the nudie store. Right. <laughs> like, you didn't take your own car. Right. Let's right. people see it. Not to take a quick diversion, but I can't believe people are still going to this adult bookstore. You know what I'm saying?
2: Like, it seems to me this stuff is free every on the Every time
0: Internet. I drive by, I look over and say, man, there's a car. I mean, it's just,
2: like, it I Parked drove... right in front, facing the road. Yeah. It's just like. Man. I drove past like four lion's dens on a 10-hour drive today, and I, yeah. I every time I st- pass one, I'm like. Why is that same creepy old box truck there at every place? I want to go just to see what's same, in there, but no, the I don't. It's the same freaking 1992 Chevy Silverado that's at every single one of them.
1: It's, it's like a Burt Reynolds Dale. lookalike. I know you're there. Right.
2: Your name is Dale. I'm sure you're there. I, th-
1: right. I think I think dens of iniquity are going the way of the Hardys. Like it's the same brand. Once Hardys close up for good, you'll see the shops go to. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that dude buys the truck and goes, is this for sale? I'm going to do something wrong. <laughs> (laughs)
2: it's four o'clock in the morning you're the only one in that parking lot why is it open all right number two
1: church was more a part of the rhythm of life years ago surely many people in our community that weren't church attenders at the same time though many other folks just knew they were going to church because that's what their family did they were at least present to hear the word Mm -hmm. so now wait a minute is that a good change like if people are like i don't even believe my family just goes so i go like did we did we just shift where people were sitting? Like, did it matter that they went and were exposed to the word anyway?
0: I mean, you, you probably caught more because they were at least there being, you know, having the gospel right there in front of them and,
1: and as opposed to now that it's not, you know. I, so, I mean, is it any different be, between having a captive audience that didn't have a choice to be there? right which is a lot of people's tales like as their kids especially when you bring your kids to a church and don't reflect those beliefs at home then it just feels like you're getting barked at so you grew up a captive audience of a gospel you didn't care about and it didn't have any legs or you didn't go at all right like and mm-hmm. and that's that would be the flip problem like do do we feel like that weighs itself out that it's a a net positive or a net negative yeah you know I don't maybe this is a wrong example, but it made me think of the transition of the church in the time of, of Constantine. It You would say this is easier to lead a church because it is now accepted as part of the culture, and part of its values are reflected here and there, and right. some of the things that the government does, similar with the establishment of the United States. But it does not mean, like, it, so it, it may be easier to do, but it does not speak to the effectiveness of Of the church, right? Mm -hmm. Or the actual prevalence of the gospel. Like, we may have just picked up some costumes because now it's easier to do so. As a matter of fact, I would contend that the um, codification of the church under Constantine. Was significantly detrimental to the spreading of the of the of the true message that Jesus was bringing. Mm-hmm. the 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 court um, the shadings of it. The fact that more people would be able to tell you, "Hey, I recognize that from the Bible," or "Here's what sin is," and all the things like they could pass the quiz, right? Right, but mm-hmm. they didn't recognize that they actually yeah, needed not the a savior, and so that, yeah, cause I said the people who are in are more in. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and that's here true. Because they really want to be, and that's true in like underground churches in in China and yeah, parts yeah. of Iran, right? And like again, I, I it's it's not like you have to be constantly harassed by the culture to have be in right relationship with Jesus, but like what feels easier is all it, like even from a pastoral perspective or even from like a church or cultural perspective does not imply that's actually to our benefit. It could implicitly be a detriment yeah so like uh I w- somebody was talking to me over the weekend that, like, um, as you age as a musician, you end up in the uh, in the smaller venues and maybe the casino circuit, right? And so when you're up on stage, uh, you can only see about 10 rows in. You know, But every once in a while, you'll see them shine this light, right, way up into the balcony. So the guy can take a look up and go, okay, there's really not that many people at this show. We're going to wrap up early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, it, it's kind of like that. It feels like that to me, That that we might have been 35 years ago looking at the first 10 rows going, we're nailing it. We got so many people. And then all we've done is just shine a light on the top row and go, there's... There, there's not many as many people here as you thought. It was a revealing more than it was yeah. a cutting. Yeah, yeah. Think of it this way: like um, there is a uh, there's an honesty to the fact that any any person could just go pick up pornography from the web. You know what I'm saying? Like I, like the social protection of making it hard to do didn't mean that they weren't lusting in their heart after things. Mm-hmm. They're just they're able their ability to act on it. That's that's a revealing and I, there's a. It's hard to say it this way, right? But there's almost a thankfulness to it that says, like, we might as well have the thing out in the open. In fact, as, so- as society normalizes it, great, now we know what we're dealing with here, as opposed to the things that were, people were trying to do in the shadows. Because the question is, is the constraints of societal shame really that effective at hiding the perversions in the heart? And the answer is no. You just become more strategic about how obvious you are about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you can, And that can reveal itself in uh, smoking. Like, hey, man. <laughs> Let's put a warning on this package. I don't care. Hey man, those are gonna be ten bucks a pack. That's not a problem. Hey man, we're gonna shoot arrows at you and then and they'd put a picture of you and be like, This guy's a smoker. You're like, I guess. I'll pose for the photo. Can I smoke in it? Right? I mean, there is no amount of warnings or lawsuits or whatever that people are like, I gotta cut this out. True. Like these have you guys seen these signs in the gas stations that like RJ Reynolds was like it like they're big and they'll say up at the Casey's uh or other gas stations there's a sign that says rj reynolds is mandated by the courts to tell you that cigarettes kill people <laughs> it's like something like that Sweet like mother. it's super ridiculous and obvious and it has no impact on cigarette sales whatsoever oh. they're like man i knew that <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll <take laughs> two packs of <laughs> never heard such a thing <laughs> let me get another pack of cowboy killers please okay
1: number three quotes the bible says no longer means much I can remember when few people openly questioned the authority of the word, even if they didn't always follow it. Yeah. Now we often have to first explain why we believe the word at all.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's harder, but it's definitely true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that it's not a given, because then you get to maybe teach more.
1: Explain yeah, I, more. I actually think it's pretty substantive to be able to talk about like, uh, like why do you think even think that's true? Because yeah. frankly, for me to be able to substantiate that I believe this thing is true, I get to talk about personal experiences that validate right. the presence of Jesus, historical things that otherwise, like, I trust this set of books better than I trust Aristotle or what you represent as Aristotle's words. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it actually brings in a well-rounded conversation that if I just said, yeah, totally, I preach Christ crucified, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually, I can't have I, so many people. Like, they come up to me and they're like, Well, how do we even know the Bible's true? I'm like, What hole of the internet you've been in lately? And they're, they're instantly like on guard because they're like, Internet wisdom is good wisdom. I'm like, You wouldn't <laughs> say like that because you know better. <laughs> you I know that, that you've Wikipedia. been watching like a shady dude that put his YouTube channel as. The Bible can't be trusted with Jerry. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, or like kids, like they always do this. They're like, well, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. I go, okay, I'm going to tell you right now. You've done enough Greek research on that one word to tell me how the translation went. And once again... What hole of the internet you've been in lately. Just tell me where the guy is so I can go listen to him say it. So I don't have to listen to you regurgitate it yeah, like
2: poorly. Just imagining an opening of on um, this week on uh, The Bible Isn't what, what You Think It Is with Jerry. I'm Jerry. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's I like, hey, Jerry Bear, let's hear what you got to say. And I want you to know The Bible Isn't What You Think It Is. <laughs> wow, killer opening. This is so
1: much different than last week. <laughs> the scrolls that they found him in were actually alive. It's the Alive Sea Scrolls, but they didn't tell you that, yeah. did they? They did say I'm dead this whole time.
2: That was an incorrect understanding.
1: <laughs> uh, number four, the world has come to us via travel and the internet. Capitalized again. That's a good thing in the sense that we can now take the gospel to the world by crossing the street or hitting the send button. On the other hand, meeting and knowing good people who follow other faiths have caused many church members to question the exclusivity of the gospel yeah uh, once again, here's the thing: is I think this I think this particular problem comes from believing that you were charged to talk to masses all the time, like you've almost given up on your uh, on your personal relationships to go after bigger fish. Like, why would I sit down and talk to to we'll, call, we'll say Jerry is a big troublemaker, but he he's struggling with his faith again, even after he's put up the website and he's come up to me for the eighth time in six years. Mike, I just really want to know more about the gospel. I'm like, ugh. Can't I just Instagram live like Boova does and hit up twenty people at once, twenty thousand people at once, except you're slogging it out for eight years with Jerry, who's still running the website, and you basically give up on Jerry. You're like, "I'm done, having every sit down and going to coffee and like taking your phone call at 1 at night? Can't I just tell five hundred people a truth at once and not have to deal with your relentless crap? And mm-hmm. because we've done that, then like you're always trying to 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 preach a gospel. That like you have a very hard time connecting with somebody about. I th- I think that's the downside to the way that that we've looked at like internet leading churches or or preaching to people or trying to tell the gospel to a lot of people at once. You got zero control over who they are, where they're at, what they're listening to, what's going on in their life, and you're trying to re- relate with them like you're sitting in a booth at Perkins, and it's just not the same. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you a story. So we at, I live on uh I don't know out of out of out of the city. And there was this cat That showed up on my property I've uh, post, Post-hoc post named it Meowser Like Bowser But Meowser Thank you uh, Yeah, that's too bad So it, it Because it went Like all the time It just went door to door Meow, meow All the time Incessantly Okay Went to the Started like comically Peeping in the front door Would get up on its hind legs And look in the front hey, door in there? And uh, meow, meow <laughs> Just like this Okay and so we had this cat at our place for I don't know 3 or 4 weeks and like uh it was missing one of its fangs on one side of its face. It, it uh, had a rough go. what tends to be is like people come out that far and then they just like they abandon their cats or something. Aww. So we posted and we ch- tried to see if anybody could come pick this recognize the cat, come pick it up. A couple people came by. and said, "I think that's my my Bessie." It was not. <laughs> it was so we we're stuck with this thing. And it was it kind of harassed the kids a little bit like if you got too close to it or tried to help it out it would go it would like take a swipe at them plus uh we had to buy uh because it was missing that fang it couldn't eat the normal food so i, I was buying soft food for this thing <laughs> you're a sucker i know <laughs> i i tried to i tried to neglect it but the children and my wife wouldn't let me but it's this is coming to a point though so so we call we eventually got uh someone to t- to take it to the arl And they take it to the ARL, and the ARL calls. They're like, it was funny because they said, hey, we got to sign this form that's saying you're abandoning this animal. I'm like, it's not my animal, man. Like, it just, they said, well, we can't take it in unless someone agrees to be the abandoner. I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) So I'm on record at the Animal Rescue League (laughs) for having abandoned Meowser (laughs) to their custody. So anyway, uh, they call like (laughs) two days later and they go, hey, uh, Meowser doesn't really like captivity. Would you be willing to take it back? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm on
2: record as the abandoner.
1: <laughs> I've, I've already abandoned the sandable. now. But here's what I thought: is so I've got rid- we get rid of this cat because it's not my cat, right? And like it, it, it stumbled into my life to my great inconvenience. It needed help, and I said, boy, but if I keep it, it will disrupt other things that I care about. Like I don't want to have to buy all this wet food. I already got two other cats and. A, 8,000 chickens and whatever. I don't want to have to deal with it. And there was a moment that hit me after I deported this cat. And it made me think like, how often do I assess things that interject into my life in such a way that I, I want to leapfrog them because they're in the way of my plan mm-hmm. of the thing that I think I'm supposed to be doing. When, what if the thing I was supposed to be doing was like, Hey, God sent good old meowser to my place. Cause Someone else tried to abandon him, and he goes, well, good. I got people in the area. Ben will take care of this cat. And I thought, freaking cat's in my way. I'm going to get rid of it directly. Okay? And so the, what, what I, I thought about that, um, thinking about the people of Jesus, and Mike, this relates to your point, because, like, we don't want to deal with Jerry. We're like, I'm meant for bigger things. Like, the internet My, if I can get that blog post done, I can hit a thousand people. But instead, I wasted all my time taking this joker out for coffee all the time. or like. To, to Dan's earlier point, I want, the, I want the bigger church. Like, I want the bigger thing. We should get to video so that I can change the masses with my brilliance or whatever it is. And, like, it's, there's, it's, it's, it's to that other conversation about humility is that, like, the first question isn't, like, my own evaluation of what success the gospel looks like. Think of how many people who, like, ended up having a child with special needs— like some people adopted a child intentionally with special needs. Some people, it happened by birth. Some people, it happened afterwards. And you're like, they didn't ask for this, but they, but they have to. Like they have to adopt, adapt your lifestyle to now deal with the situation that's in front of you. How many times is it possible that at times I've leapfrogged over something that was that I was meant to commit to and be part of and have to deal with, but that I found a way out of? And I don't know, like, it's not like you can't turn the cat over to the area. Hopefully somebody adopts this harassing cat and they enjoy it, right? There may be better paths that aren't you, but did I ask? Or did I just presume Jerry's bogging me down? Let's Set me free to the masses. Yeah, actually, I think that's a good word for uh, pastors in general. Um, also a good word for dads. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, like, uh, we struggle to see, to make sure that, like, the blessings that God has put in your family by way of kids and wives and responsibilities and stuff. And you're like, uh, but I got to meet with Jerry for a coffee. You know, uh, you can, you can overlook the thing that God has you doing chasing after Jerry too. So like, I, I think Ben's right. I think that's a, this is the thing. like, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna come down to spending time with the Lord. Like you yeah. just have got to, this is what walking in humility is. It's nothing else but this, frankly, it's, it's praying And spending time with God and asking for His power because you don't have it, and asking for His discernment because yours is bad. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what humility actually is. It's not degrading yourself and going, I'm not worthy of this, or I'm less than, or like being meek. It is looking at yourself rightly and looking at the power that God has and going, I can't do without that. I have to have this. That is what humility is. And like, there's no way to express your humility. Without prayer. I just don't know how else you'd do it. Like, you can't phony it up enough because it's your arrogance in you're trying to falsely humili- humility yourself, right? Like, you're trying to be like, I can make it look like I'm humble, and that's not what you're trying to do, but that is exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to make humility something that you created, and it just is not, <laughs> right? And so, like, <laughs> yeah, I think all that's really true. Uh, five. In general, church members respected the pastoral position more back then. I was... <laughs> Boo was breathing heavy. Dan, do you find that to be true? Uh,
0: society does. Uh, the, the, I think the church is about the same. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah. but like, like in the community, maybe in, per se. In 35 the community, years you go ago, anywhere in
0: Simon Pass, I'd say, oh,
2: yeah, I was like, oh, oh I see. One of those. Different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pastor gets invited to all the the fun parties and all the community oh, yeah. events and everything like that. There <laughs>
0: were and, professional uh, courtesies that, like, a dentist might just not charge you uh things like that and now it's like Phew.
1: did you double <laughs> yeah yeah did you ever have dan did you ever have like uh pastor or reverend on your like mail
0: no okay no i'll just go kind of people curious. try but, but i'm like yeah <laughs> I just, just don't, I,
2: it's just a personal have thing, you I ever think. parked in the clergy spots at the hospital uh yeah oh yeah I've i mean i have too i'm just I mean, <laughs> asking i do that sure <laughs> That's a straight. That's
1: He's... a straight line in, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're right? Especially if it's just a legit like I'm running really right. in a hurry. If you're to get calling up there, for last like rites, heart surgery, blah blah blah, whatever. <laughs> have you done last rites, Booba? Uh,
2: I've been asked. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I've said no. Yeah, I said I'm gonna come out and I'll, I'll pray with what you want me to, but we're not gonna do last rites situation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the person uh, didn't die. Number six. What culture now accepts is rapidly changing. More than three decades ago, most of us would never have dreamed that we'd face the cultural issues we face today. Few of us would have thought our culture would someday legalize acts that Christians classify as sin. Mm I don't know. That seems like a cyclical thing to me uh, where that's just where we're at as a nation. Honestly, Mm -hmm. 30, Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I was thinking 35 years ago,
2: 1955, <laughs> yeah, like my
1: mind was anywhere between like the 50s, 60s, 70s, not
2: not 1986, 90s, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <Like> 1990. Shoot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There, uh, there, there's there's a, an actual in
0: fear in the eyes of church people right. now as I yeah. look at how things have changed. As opposed, I'm not I don't not fear like I'm scared, but like okay, things are winding down. Things, think I mean, this is this isn't like. Oh, culture's out of control or sin. It's like we are collapsing as a country. Is the the general
1: idea of a lot of people? Yeah. So I th- I think that those are two distinct thoughts. I think like mm-hmm. American culture. Yes, we're in a rough spot. We're just we don't we don't share we don't have shared values in a way that we might have when both when we were founded and throughout our infancy. I think that that shine is probably starting to wear off a little bit now the... As far as the people of God are concerned, I think we might have just been a little bit naive. I think all yeah. of this stuff completely... we have been
0: we lived in a bubble. That's yeah. right. Just We're different. like
1: yeah. everything looks uh, totally fine. Uh look at all this new stuff that is now willing to come out into the light and like you should instantly think I've been ignoring the dark. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, yeah. nobody none of our team lived in Portland. Yeah. We all bailed. <laughs> now yeah. we have people there to go. Oh yeah, it's been like that. Oh well, shoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the difference between like as far as God's people are concerned a heroin addict who's Who's shooting up inside of an abandoned building, or doing it on my stoop? Ah, you know what I'm saying? Either some one heroin addict. That's all that happened, right? Where they doing it, and how they're doing it, and whether the culture accepts it or not, didn't change the way that I shouldn't have changed the way that I looked at it at all. In fact, I'd almost like the revealing that goes, "Man, we've really been missing out. What were we thinking? We didn't even think to go to the abandoned buildings. Conviction, let's hit. Yeah, we check it out. Yeah, Uh, are people in there? Yeah, (laughs) no one can live this way. The Lord loves central heating. <laughs> uh, let's see. In the last one, number seven, we're reaping the results of decades of poor discipleship. Discipleship wasn't strong back then either, but we've now laid on top of that weak foundation thirty more years of poorly grounding believers. That means we're often pastoring long term believers who are really still babies in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, here's the thing: is uh, some of that is I don't know. I feel like that's a long that's a long road because like even the best intentions and the best people available to disciple you still have to agree to that and like uh people just i don't know they just they don't want it like they, i say that but like i think there's a there's a strong community of people that really want to be discipled and we don't have any infrastructure to do it or like we don't have any room in our lives to be able to take them on very much like we were talking earlier right we're like well if i preach to 15000 I don't have time to be sitting down with these six dudes or keep track of them or be all, all up in their life, you know? Um, so I think that's a problem. But on the other hand, I think maybe we, uh, you call people to a thing and like, we're just noncommittal, right? Like as a society, we're just noncommittal. We'll bail on anything at just about any time and not feel either way about it. They're like, I had to get out of there. It wasn't good for me. Well, I mean, some of the hardest lessons I ever learned was doing a thing repeatedly that I thought was bad for me. turns out, it was exactly what I needed, right? Like nobody wants to be working in the middle of winter and carrying heavy things and freezing their toes off. But like after a while, that's the job and that's what you do, and it grows you. Right? Like interestingly, it's I guess they don't want to necessarily be disciples of Jesus. But they don't want to be disciples of anything. Yeah. Like we don't want to. We don't want to commit to hard things. We don't want to commit to consistent things. Um, as a, as a society, like we're uh we're the, we're keeping our options open. <laughs> like we like we could we're we're open to new ideas and thoughts. Uh, we just want to do what's right in our own eyes. In which case like this is not a new not a particularly new thing. I do think it is interesting and something like we would be cautious that we don't miss is how many people um like thirst for like understanding their their religion better and they just they like really don't. Like I've been I continue to be surprised at folks like people that are my age 10 years older than me 20 years older than me and like things that have felt this is, I, this is like that i i would seem like old hat to me are surprising people and it's not because of, like anything that we're talking about is particularly brilliant it's just like there was such a shallowness to what it looked like to to follow jesus like you 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 went to the things it's but you didn't have to believe it didn't change the underlying it's like actually some of the struggles that we're even talking about like you know, it it came up here, it came up in another, like, an interview I'd done with somebody that was around, you know, how do I think about discipleship at work? Like, I, I think that my, the the generation before mine, or two generations before mine, are struggling with this way more than I am. Because I'm like, well, I mean, it's who I, it's what I think and, and do, and like, what do you mean? Uh, and they're like, well, I'm not sure what's appropriate. <laughs> and, like, the kingdom of Jesus is always appropriate. It's only, but, like, because of how they came up in church, it felt like a set of, set of actions that had some things that they believed that they would say are true. They would tell someone, like, to their face that are true. But, like, it didn't steep. Like, it was a teabag on top of the water. <laughs> like, it just didn't make its way in. It was still in the cup. They would still claim to own it. But, like, it didn't spread out and sit there and become part of the thing that was in the glass. And so um, I think that's actually a very strong opportunity because I like to see people's people's eyes like will just light up when they figure when it finally connects that this kind of shallow set of facts and things and and identity that they'd carried with them actually can make its way in and start shifting the way that they do things. And it didn't feel like something. It didn't feel like a bird they had to carry. It felt like something they can actually be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we should embrace that. I think that's 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 exciting that you've got like latent, like Christ uh, identifiers, but not necessarily followers that are just waiting to be unleashed upon the world. If we can – if but it, it requires the discipleship. It's a training. It's a revealing. And uh, like I'm so grateful to places where something that I knew I believed, I knew I, – like I, I, I'm supposed to believe it. And then somebody taught something or said something or sang something, and it opened it up for me, and I go – Oh, I don't just own that. I am that, mm. and that, and it was great. It was a, it was a healing part, and I think to be part of that is awesome. I think that it actually reveals some of the danger, like which is a unique danger to a democratic society like we have. Like when society is going your way, then it tends to dictate the way that you like. It it, it sneaks into the way that the the gospel is being presented, right? Like so, like. He's reliving the glory days when society was more on the conservative side of the way that religion was looked at. And, like, what is appropriate publicly was decided by society, right? And the church just aligned with that and said, okay, yeah, we don't talk about religion or politics at work, right? Like, we'll just keep that out of it. And we're like, yeah, okay, I guess. That's no big deal. And now that society, like, in general has shifted the curve where they no longer think that way, now we stand back and go, now, wait a minute we agreed to your societal parameters 30 years ago, and now you're changing? And it it seems like an unnecessary uh, aghastness from our side that goes, I can't believe society turned on us like this. You honestly cannot, right? Like, I, we might have hitched our wagon a little too closely to, like, the freedoms and uh, the, the founding of the country that we live in because all those things seemed all tied together for, for our infancy. And then as, as we started to mature and realize that, like, uh, I don't know that we can trust this entire foundation for so long. I, I I think it's the God foundation we better stick with because this one seems to be testy and moves in waves and circles and like it just doesn't seem to follow like up the, the pattern that we that we'd want. Yeah, Jesus was the Junko's man. Like we looked at it and we said we believed it and the society embraced it and we're like, Great, this is fantastic. And then the Junko's go out of favor and we're surprised. I don't know what Junko is. A- I don't know what that is either. Oh really? Yeah. Nathaniel? Does that sound like a Charles you Gravy the guy? Jinko jeans? Yeah, the jeans, the big wide leg, the yeah. giant leg. Oh, yeah. Not flares, but like. It's Jinko. Oh, what did I say? Jinko. It sounded like a karate move. Junko. Or the head of a dojo. <laughs> Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, okay, Jinko, Jinko. Yeah, Jinko. I'm old. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway, like it was like that. Like we were surprised. Like when you're aligned with it, when the culture says, "Yeah, this is okay," then you put them on and you wear them. You say, "Boy, we're fortunate." And then you're still wearing them 20 years later, and the rest of the world's looking at you, going, "Boy, I don't. That's out of favor, bro." And we're surprised, and we probably shouldn't be.
0: Well, the, the reason reason we're surprised, having lived through this, right, is we were lazy. We we kept ourselves. We had our little potluck dinners and our little classes. Discipleship was a dude who'd set up and give us a paper on you know Satan with a bunch of fill-in with the blanks, and we'd say, okay, I learned something today. Yeah. Didn't do anything with it, but I learned factual yeah. information, so we have been discipled. And we heard about stuff going on out there, but eh, that's just the bad people. Um, and and then, so we didn't bring anybody else in. We didn't disciple people. And then, all of a sudden, like there's more out there than there are in here, and it was like shocking.
1: Yes, and, right. yeah, yeah. right. Uh, you've been listening to Live from the path. That was uh, seven ways the church is uh, I don't know. it's harder to it's harder to preach the gospel nowadays.
2: I don't know. I'm, I'm did, not with you. Did you ditch out it's halfway through the name of that article? Yeah, I don't <laughs> like, care. This has been seven ways, and yeah, <laughs> know what whatever. It is. I, the, I was just reading a comment,
1: and some dude commented. He's like, I grow weary of these articles ten ways. Ten reasons millennials are leaving the church, seven ways. But this one, this was a great article. <laughs> and he doubled down on how awesome it was. Okay, uh, we got to get to some advice, but we need to hit up Boova. Uh Okay, you have, you have a choice. You get to pick one of the two. You want to ask the pastor about Job, or do you want to talk about your encounter with the deconstructioners?
2: Do we have time for that? Okay. Uh, you get probably, one of the two. Probably the Job one is, is a better one to kind of have a smaller conversation on. Okay, I will solely answer this. Go. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, preface earlier, essentially what I'm looking at is as I'm reading through Job, I'm trying to figure out, the: uh, is this a literal story? Like, did this actually happen? Or am, am I taking this in as a way to to understand the character of God through a parable or a story uh, of God saying, Hey, have you have you thought of Job, this amazing and righteous man that I have, uh, none like him? And Satan goes, well, like, if you took your stuff away from him and cursed him, then he would curse you. And a gamble is, is made. And essentially God goes, sure, take everything from him. And then the rest of Job happens. Like, I'm just trying to figure this out of, like... How am I supposed to take this? Like, How how am I supposed to talk about this? Is, is this a literal thing? What do I do with this? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd like an answer.
1: Yep, that sure is something to ponder. You've been listening to Live from the Path, Ben. Well, I don't know, Dan, did you have a thought? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest.
0: I was reading an email that saying I was going to have something canceled. I thought, is this real or is this a hoax? <laughs> and uh, I haven't decided yet. So
2: I'm to be real I, honest with you. I've... I am not... Even in the slightest, surprised by that being your answer. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> I was, okay,
1: I'll take I'll, I'll take a look at this. I do not have as a conservative Bible teacher. I do not have any problem if the Book of Job was a parable. I also do not have any problem with the Book of Jonah being parabolic. Uh, God does communicate in that way. Jesus yep. uses those same types of things to communicate true things. I, it is not does not shake anything in me, does not change anything in me. It doesn't cause me any problems with how Jesus references either of those two stories. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to, if you were to point back to a parable type of story that you told your kids and say, remember like this guy, like you would, it's how you would refer to it if you were a teacher. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I don't. But but I also, in that same regard, I have no reason that it has to be either. Right. Like there's nothing about. So I, I would lean. Actually, I would say um, I'm more likely to think of Job as parabolic than I am Jonah. Mm-hmm. Um, for some Is of the it merely because of the fantastic. Like no,
0: I think they're both real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I figure Dan would. Yeah. Yeah. I think. But but like I had a feeling
2: that but, was going to be the deal well, too.
0: Well,
1: but, but Dan, why though?
0: Because. Okay, so filled in the blank when I was in twenty. Classic, <laughs>
2: classic. That's how we always used to teach it thirty years ago. I went to class. This was just a given. <laughs> yeah, we didn't question the Bible back then. And I, I see both points. I do because I was thinking that as well as I was as I was I was asked this question and I asked it to my uh, myself was like, does this shake my faith if this is just a good story that that points back to like something that's being told by the concept of one of God's people uh eliminate the blessings what happens like you deal with Bill Dad the shoe height showing up to your place and then all this different stuff comes and then god shows up in the end is like who are you like do you know where i keep the snow do you have any idea what happens when the sheep gives birth like i'm sitting right there all this different stuff I, I kind of fall in line with that of it doesn't it doesn't change anything for me. Like it's no. not faith shattering if this is a parable.
1: I mean, it's all like I'm okay with Psalms being poetry and right. hyperbolic. I'm okay with Jesus using hyperbolic language. Like I just don't. It doesn't do anything to me. But I would. Say, but here's what's interesting, though. It has nothing to do with the fantastic nature of it. I, the gospel tells me that a man like, yes. like Jesus wrote, resuscitated people from the dead. He personally died and rose back from the dead. He, you know, healed people in such a way. Like I believe all kinds of literal, fantastic things. Yeah. So don't, like,
2: he's talking to a dude. Right, dude in
1: a fish does not phase me one bit. It, like, I don't right. care. Talking donkey? Nope. No problems. Like, I have no problem believing something that seems, like, outrageous to have been true. The question is, is it, like, are there contextual things about either of those two stories that would make me think, well, like, you actually can't tie – Either one of them very well together. Jonah is interesting because like there's only one other mention of Jonah um, as a prophet. So like Jonah's a legit prophet's name in the right. rough time frame. So that's why I'm like Job is I think you actually can't tie very well right. to many other things. Um, but again, I, I just don't know if I'm supposed to think that Job specifically um, is ta- telling me true things about God. Um, and that the Holy Spirit directed that very thing. It is of no consequence to me whether it actually happened or whether God presented us a parabolic story yeah, right. that tells me something that I'm that I otherwise would believe tells me true things about God. I don't know why it matters to me either right. way. It's the
2: same situation with the prodigal son. Nobody goes, who is the? What's the name of the which, son? And which ruler is he going back to? What it doesn't matter. He, yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't telling matter. Telling a story now. But the reason now, part
1: of the reason that like. I think oftentimes we, and Dennis is not at you, but like that, like that, we would say, "Look, I know, I, I want." It's easier, frankly, if we don't have to deal with the fact that it could be a parable, mm-hmm. because it starts to bring in a question of how we, else we understand scripture. What, uh, like, it's the same problem you have with the start of Genesis. Is like, if I don't take that, if that's not literal, right. like young Earth creationist stuff, then you got to figure out where you draw yeah, the well, line. It's the
2: selection process of what is literal, what isn't.
1: Yeah. Again, I don't really have a problem if it's not. Literal, like if it's telling me true things, but not at a, at a literal time frame. But it introduces complication yeah. in how people understand scripture. So if there's if it doesn't matter either way, I generally would default to going. I might as well just accept that. Like if it's it's literally true uh, in whatever storytelling manner it's supposed to, unless I have a convincing reason not to. And I said like I've limited look into, but I'm more prone to think that Job has a higher possibility to me. To be parabolic than I would Jonah, but you could take either of those two stories either way, and it has no consequence to me. Got it. Okay. Well,
0: I remember reading something years ago that that convinced me well enough. I thought that that why it was a problem to look at it as a parable, and I don't I don't remember what it was. I can't remember a thing. I just remember I checked it off my list. Like okay, that's good enough for me. <laughs> and and uh, fair it, enough is buried. So um, it could have been some angry, you know. Preacher from the eighties. Yeah, what was, and a, uh,
1: what was the one thing that like I was listening to a guy talk on that one time and like ooze was super interesting. Like basically the intro to Job was long time ago in a land very very far far away. away yes, right. Like ooze, like the Hebrew of ooze or uz or whatever is is like it's a nondescript, non distinct town. Yeah,
2: there's nothing that it's, ties it to a time period. There's nothing uh, that ties it Ezekiel, to a, a place. Ooze.
0: So was called uz. You guys have been throwing me off. Uz ooze. I was yeah. Was, I know was, like <laughs>
2: ur. Is where Abram was from.
0: Jeremiah, Jeremiah and twenty-five. All the mixed peoples, all the kings of the land of Uz, Uz, whoever. Yeah,
1: same. But that mm-hmm. was the same. That was the same As- scriptural As- reference, As- right? Like, okay. it's, a ge- it's a generic blah kingdom, not an actual. Yeah, I, town I, I, I didn't realize
2: that was in Jeremiah, so I just need to read that closer. But I mean, it was just you know, yeah, no, and it it wasn't even like it wasn't a thought that I came up with and I went, oh, that's not anywhere. It was I read that or heard that from someone else saying that like Uz is. The argument was is that it was meant to be far off a land so that there was no societal perspective here like you would get from most other portions of the Bible. There's no context that you need that says, well, now this is what I think about Job because of what I know about us or yeah. ooze. Or this is what I think about this story because of what I know about this. Or Jews hear, uh, you know, Nineveh, are they here about um, – um, sorry, what am I thinking of? Uh, the – The Samaritan, right? Like when when they hear Samaria, they're like, "Oh, all of this heap stuff on that because I know about this area." That didn't exist in, in the Job story because it wasn't of consequence. It was just meant to be kind of like that. It, a long time ago in a land, a land far, far away, God was there. And Satan was walking to and fro. And God asked him, what are you doing? And he said, I've been walking to and fro. And yeah, he goes, Job have you considered yeah. my son Job? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. And you know, think about it, too. There is, Job is unique. Like you, the
1: extended conversations like with the friends. Yeah. Right. You don't really see that. In any of the other books, like yeah, get, it's in in the historical books, like no extended conversations. If you have orations, so like take the take the Torah, you have Moses going on for a long time right, about yes. something like extended, like conversational narrative is unique to Joe, and it, it feels very. Parabolic, like yes, like right. you, you you are representing. There's uniquenesses to these three folks, and so like again, I think there's ways of which you could look at this and go, oh yeah. I mean, I think it's it's probably set up. It's using types of folks mm-hmm. to kind of teach you, reveal right. lessons. Yep, uh, it could totally just be unique. It, that's fi- and it's fine. Yeah. God can t- totally do that. It could just be a unique story that is formatted and set up in a different way. Or it could be a parable. Yep. Again, I like the, the Holy Spirit codified the thing. I got no problem with it. Yep. And like, I, there's things like theologically that are from Job that really aren't from anywhere else. Like, I would say, like um, some people have used uh, said, "Well, uh, God can't be in the presence of evil." Like I've heard people say that. Like, like in the presence of God, He can't stand your sin. He can't be in the presence of evil. I'm like, He walked. Like Satan approached Him. That's that theology. Yeah, my belief comes from the Book of Job. Right. Whether it really happened or whether it's a parable is, is again, irrelevant to me. God presented me this situation of which I would go, I believe that fundamentally what you're saying about, like, God cannot stand the sight of your evilness or it can't be in his presence, I would reject based solely upon the beginning of Job. Interesting, yeah. And I would, but, but, like, I don't hesitate. I'm actually more hesitant on uh, John 8, so the story of the go and sin no more. I'm I'm more hesitant on the, like, historical accuracy of that bit of John than I am on being able to leave my theology on top of Job 1, even if I believe that it's a parable.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Well, like I said, I was reading—that's That's what that's been my reading for the last couple of days. I'm about halfway through, and it just kind of popped into my head where I'm just like, one, same situation. I, I don't— particularly care like it doesn't really change much for me if it is parabolic if it is a literal story it doesn't it doesn't shake my faith or anything like that i was just really interested to hear you guys thoughts on um what you've learned throughout your time of 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 studying as pastors but then also like what you have uh had as a part of your teaching of if anyone's ever asked you this or you've had to to remedy in your own mind so
1: i uh job continues to be one of my favorite books of the bible if not my favorite Uh, I absolutely love it. Especially when God shows up and lays the law
2: down. That's just my favorite. I stood on my bed and I'm I'm not even making this up like a child. And was like jumping, like I was so pumped to be listening to the end of that as I was listening to, to uh, a recording of that part of the Bible, because I was like, heck yeah, God, like get him, like gird your loins situation, do you have any idea where the snow is held? And of course I was living in sin at the time, and I didn't put a, in any application to my own life, but I was like, yeah, dad, for you somebody. got him, yeah, take that, Job, I don't understand 98% of this book, and I'm really <laughs> sick of hearing the words of Bildad the Shuhite, but, yeah,
1: get it. <laughs> yeah. I would I like uh, from a broad perspective, my, I guess my encouragement would be um uh, you you should accept the entirety of scripture as true and communicating true right. things. I think you we run the risk of being too narrow by treating it like a newspaper when it didn't in, in places where it did not yeah. need to be so. And so um I you are not sacrificing from my perspective a a proper conservative view of scripture as God's word to take many parts of it as not a newspaper. All right, cool.
2: Maybe you hate that.
1: Maybe Job is uh, truth. The land of us exists. And And you uh, pronounce it Yob. And and, uh, you say Yob. Why would you say Yob? I don't know. Why was the O
2: not long? Just, Just go into the phone number. I don't know it. Uh it's you, 515-517-0085. If you've got anything you want to tell us, call or text. Uh we'd love to hear from you. Let us know if you call it Yob and if Mike is crazy. Yeah. Once again that's 515-517-0085. Get a haircut
1: and get a real Yob. Wait, what was that joke? <laughs> what was it? Wait, dang it. It was the it's guy in, in in he I got it from Yale. It was a it was the yeah. guy in prison. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If
2: you hated that joke, let us know at uh, 515-517-0085. That is the Eisenhower Live from the Path complaint line.
1: Uh, here we go. Uh, dear Live from the Path, my husband, Randall, was a widower when we met. His why, wife, are we, why are we laughing at Randall? I, I don't know. It's, it's a, a normal spot. name. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Randall? That's the man's name. My husband, Randall, was a widower when we met. His wife, Sylvia, had passed away in November 2010. We got married in October 2015. I recently was shocked to discover that Randall has kept Sylvia's Facebook page open, supposedly so his grandchildren can send her messages on her birthday or any anytime they feel like it. Last September, he posted a message that read, Happy Anniversary. Love you and miss you. 52 years today. If she were still living, that day would have marked 52 years of marriage. We picked that up. When I read it, I realized that in his heart, he still feels married to her. Am I wrong for feeling that way? No, that's what's happening. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> no, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you got it right.
0: He's not cheating on you.
2: No, she's dead. Yeah. But he's on you should he's, be he... excited about the fact that he's the kind of man that is willing to honor that
1: stuff. Yeah. That he like, loves someone that deeply, like you. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might have uh I, I can't speak of experience this because I haven't gone through it. But like You've never been married to a Randall? I've just don't <laughs> Randall didn't see eye to eye. <laughs> uh like second marriages they're tough. As your first marriage did not end because of anything nefarious. Like, someone died. Right. And then you went on to have companionship and company with someone else. And, like, uh, you might have been slightly naive in thinking that, like, you would replace this woman uh, in this man's heart. 52 years. Like, even if uh, she was, what, uh, probably uh, 10 years ago, 13 years ago. So, still, 40 years worth of marriage, some. Right? That's a lot of life. They went through every major life thing together. Yeah. Like, I, you, I I think you just misunderstood. You're what almost a, retired by the time right. that's done. Right. So, like, I think you misunderstood what a second marriage was going to be. Like, you, you thought about it in your head, and you thought it was going to be something, and realistically, you had to know that, like, the woman that, like, he married, had kids with, and then, like, send their kids off to college, and was planning retirement with, and all of a sudden, she's gone. Right. Like, a lot of your living and dying is done up till, up till you're your 50-some. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's a lot of life to think that you were going to replace and she wasn't going to continue to occupy a large part of his heart. Yeah, it feels like like uh, you might think of uh, having more children. So, uh, kid A, you're like, I love this kid, I love with all my might. And then kid B comes along, and it's not like you don't still love kid A. Like, somehow, God does magic things where, like, your ability to love somehow magically doubles, where yeah. you can still love A and B More than you ever thought possible, and I think, especially in marriages that where someone has passed away, like you should think of it that way. Like it's, it's. I, I I grant that this seems like it would be very difficult to do, but like his love for his deceased wife does not imply that he loves you less, right? Your kid, kid B, for practical for the practical purposes, right? Like, um, you're not at war with this woman, um. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you just because he, like, thinks of her fondly and deeply and remembers how when they were married. Like, I, I, I know that would—to Mike's point, I think, like, there's probably some counseling in there. Like, just something someone should tell you before you get remarried that, like, heads yeah. up. This isn't quite—you need to recognize this and somehow reconcile yourself to the fact that his love for his deceased wife has nothing to do—mean that he does not love you fully. Like it's it's just there's a magic in love in that way, and uh, but I, I I know why it would be hard, but you you need to remind yourself of that. Yeah, you should think of it as uh, Jews and Gentiles, right? We're kid B, uh, the Jews are kid A, right? Israel is kid A, and like we've been invited into the family, and we're loved equally in the same but there was a lot of attention given to kid A yeah. throughout the first uh 3 quarters of the bible yeah and so like uh we're okay with this this is fine right we're just happy to be kid B <laughs> you know yeah. and i think that i think that second marriage slot is probably uh you should try to look at it about the same
2: yeah. so my dad passed away and uh my mom ended up getting engaged to another guy and so his wife had passed away a couple years prior to that. And so that was actually one of the reasons that they had connected was because they uh they shared that past of like they had both been married uh in faithful marriages that that just ended because of the the passing of of the spouse. And to like watch them navigate that was very interesting to me. And like it was interesting as being a kid of of one of the people in the new marriage, right? Like it it was trying to figure out what family looked like, but like They understood that, like, they were married to people beforehand, and that was their first marriage. And, like, they could still have a relationship together. They were even planning to get married before my mom passed away. But it wasn't weird, like, oh, you're just my second choice. Like, they really were uh, both understanding the fact that, like, we are completely still in a love and relationship with the people that passed. Like, that's the only thing that's changed is proximity. And so... How do we graft a new relationship and a new marriage, understanding that there are people beforehand to be honored and to be remembered and things like that? And it's it was exactly that it was there's an honor and there's a uh, there's a, a remembrance to the people that were. And I think they were even planning on having their pictures up at the new wedding was to go. These are. In remembrance of our first marriages, of who we were with, that they passed away. And this is what we're doing now. And we recognize that our spouses would want us to move on and be happy and to to find that again. So it's just really cool to be a part of that and see that happen. It's it's a sad thing for, for me, for this person that's, that's writing into us, because one... You've probably got a lot of gunk that's leading to this kind of jealousy. Like, admittedly, there's there's probably some stuff that's happened to you in your past, whether it's relationships before, maybe a marriage that you were in beforehand that didn't end in someone passing away. It could have ended in infidelity or something like that that's bringing this up. But then you have to realize that, like, you're thinking very specifically about you in this moment. And, like, I would caution to go, if you're in any kind of marriage with someone... The point is to be thinking of each other and 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 to be enriching each other and building each other up in the covenant that you're in. And so uh, take a step back and recognize that, like, one, are there hurts that are making this a bigger deal to you than it should be? And two, are you keeping the person in mind that, like, they're posting about the, the marriage that they were in for a very long time and how do you love them through that kind of hurt and then how they move on, even if it's been 15 years, how they're moving on and how they're not necessarily grieving but remembering. How can you be a party to that? That's positive.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling like our friend was it Randall? Randall. 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 He got the raw end of the deal here. This this woman's heartless. Oh, okay. I mean, she really is. Uh, I mean, and, and immature. I, I, mean, I she, mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's just like, I'm just. How how do you be upset about this? It is absolutely incredible to me.
2: Yeah. He must still be in love with his ex wife or his former It's, it's it. not even ex wife. It's like yeah. his wife's deceased I mean <laughs> yeah. 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 I hope okay. he is. Or was I mean I mean I, I just
0: I, I thoroughly I, I wanna set this woman down and say, You need to get a hold of yourself. You know, and and, and and start thinking about your husband. Right. She is no threat.
1: Yeah, yeah, literally <laughs> zero threat. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Like the, 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 the memory of people can certainly like ignore that. It's a deceased wife, but like just to say it's an ex of some kind or whatever, the memory of other people can intrude on a relationship and you're um, feeling jealous of uh, where it's clear that someone is thinking of that other person and not you. Now it, it's different because they died. Like, yeah. I, th- I think there are natural reactions to that, but contextually, the spouse is deceased. That's a way different situation than I think you may still choose someone else. Like, to you your point, what, Dan, though? like, the, it's not a threat.
0: The, the dude that my wife dated when she was 18 and the gal that I married when I was 18, they are no threats to either one of us. We, we, we'll talk about them once in a while.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: I, 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 like, yeah, wasn't he great? Yeah, he really was. Yeah. Yeah, and that... The, I the, mean... The, yeah. the, like <laughs> Sony. The, the thing part that's actually past. happened here is they posted happy anniversary. Like, yeah. that's the extent of what they've done. It's not I, like... I uh, my vows for 50 yeah. years. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's <laughs> not like... Say a, he's talking about her right, all the time. Right, it wasn't like, a, oh, I had a dream about yeah. my wife the other day. The we the used accident, to have like, all of these kind of things. It's like, they didn't compare them sexually. Like, there's nothing going on. Like, it's literally just... Happy anniversary. That would be a rough thing to put on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean okay, I wasn't saying they would put that. On.
1: I find you more attractive than birthday. Yeah. My ex-wife Sylvia was an animal in bed. This new one,
2: I don't know. That's, that's rough, move Sylvia and I'm at Woodstock. It was a different time. Oh gosh, not what I meant at yeah. all. This is a fun you day Crazy for me. cat.
1: I I think it is like 10% I get it from a human perspective. But the other but like I mean, it's like the urge to slap a man who cut you off in traffic. you got to let it go, man. It's it, not justified. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, Secular says, oh, the question was, am I wrong for feeling this way? Yes. Secular says, I don't think you are wrong, but please understand that some people don't completely get over the death of a loved one, and your husband may be one of them. Oh, no, he's one of those. He's one of those those people that just hold on to the dead, I guess. (laughs) Oh, Randall, you jerk store. Can't you just turn your back on 50 years? Oh, It's not that unusual. (laughs) Even if my Facebook is any example, I think she's referencing the fact that her mom passed away. Uh, People post about their departed parents, grandparents, and even their pets in memorial pages on Facebook after a person's demise. They're not unusual. If you and Randall have a good marriage, I suggest you develop a sense of humor about it. Sylvia is not a threat to you unless you make her one. Knowing that may lighten your load. I mean, I don't know if it's funny. Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> like, uh, Remember the time she breathed her last? All right, all right. No. Did you post about your dead wife again, Randall? <laughs> oh. Singer. <laughs> that, that was a weird. Guess who won the race, baby? I'm still here. That's a weird
1: response. Secular had a weird response there. Okay, right. we're gonna oh, do one more because it's pretty quick. Okay, uh, dear life from the path. We are a middle aged couple who live together. I have been with, quotes, Jack for seven years, and during these seven years, he held down one job for only three months, and then he quit. I love him, but I don't believe the feeling is mutual. If he can't hold down a job and keep it, he never goes anywhere with me. Jack is a recluse. What should I do? Leave him. <laughs> should I keep him or tell him it's time to pack up and leave?
2: I'd give it seven more years.
1: I don't, I don't you got to wait what it you, out.
2: What, there's no real pattern yet. Here's the deal. We could talk about this boob of a dude that like keeps three months of a job worth in seven years and doesn't go. He's a recluse. Your, your girlfriend just referred to you as a recluse. You should love your life. Why are you with him? Yeah. He like that's go the with stop me. asking the question of blah, blah blah like you need to take a look at yourself and go who do I think I am that this bottom of the barrel is what I believe that I deserve for 7 years? How'd y'all find each other? Yeah. Did you meet in the basement? <laughs> and then you just went, wow, home. it really
1: feels like you're going places, Jack. I would take one reason why you're with him. Just one.
2: Any yeah, random one. Give me, he's nice to me. Yeah. yeah. So is the friggin' person at Fairway. You're not going to get into a seven-year relationship with them, and at least the Fairway dude has a job. How'd you let this snake into your house? <laughs> you know uh, what I'm saying? Did he just show up with bags one day, and you go, I guess.
1: <laughs> I'd be kind of curious, like when you say, I love him. What do you mean by that? Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. I want to take care of him and make him better.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're like, his mother. He doesn't build anything into me. He has no particular like direction in life. Doesn't want to spend time with me. Yeah, but I love him. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's I, not sure if he loves her.
2: Yeah. I'm he so work. sorry for what's happened in your past that led you to the belief that this is what you deserve. I'm terribly sorry because I can't imagine what's there.
1: This is the fine line. This is what gets hard for me, because half of me goes, Mm. I'm sorry, you're looking at the world broken, something must have happened, you've believed a lie somewhere. I get it, I know. And then the other part of me goes, you're the dumbest human being I've ever met. This man is doing, he's a succubus, a parasite on on the economy of all people he's ever ran into, especially you, and you're dumb enough to shade it in a way that makes it not look that way, right? You shouldn't have even gone three months of dating the guy, let alone let him in your house to live there. He's obviously
2: a, a complete worthless human being. I think both those things are perfectly fine to take, it, yeah. take in. You can yeah. go, man, you've been through some stuff. You're stupid because of it, but you've been through some <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's actually interesting to think about because, it, like, at the most positive, he had a
1: job when they were first met.
2: And only kept it for three
1: months. And only kept it for three But that means he moved in within the first three months. Right. Okay, I'm back in the you're, – you're making some dumb decisions category.
2: Or he <laughs> moved in, was jobless. They, she convinced him to go to a three-month stint where he was working, and then he just went, this doesn't feel for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And she was like, okay, baby, come home. I'll take care of you, no problem. Yeah. You think about getting a job soon? Nah, I just, I don't like no, living in the house. Jack, okay, Jack, Jack all right, you stay where you're at. No worries. Yeah, okay. I'll go take care of the laundry.
1: And so I'm I'm willing to say that, like, uh, it's not a prerequisite that you have to be employed uh, for people to love you. No, But I do submit... That, like, as you're preparing for what your future life looks like together, that is something that you need to work out before taking any major steps. Like, sir, do you plan to work at
2: all ever? Yeah. (laughs) Do you have some disability I don't know about (laughs) that's stopping you? Do you
1: want to be in a mutual relationship or do you want to be a pet owner? And currently, you own a pet named Jack. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and he doesn't you, do squat nothing. And you, I'm you. really afraid of being lonely. You need to work on that. Yeah, Jack, come out of your kennel. I'm going to nope. love you so much here and tell you I, there's better things in the world. And if people are just going, oh man, you've been, you've had some rough times. You're lonely. You should just take whatever you want. No, that's not true. You can, you can be lonely for a bit and work on yourself. Okay,
1: hold on. I'm going to give you. This is just for just just us ladies talking.
2: Okay, just us hands clucking. Fellas have.
1: A very wide range of standards. So, like, as a late as a lady, if you think no man wants me, you are incorrect. Like, Truth. if you're a halfway decent person at all, uh, like, I, I, I,
2: there's a man out there for but, you. I'm just, Theo, I'm just telling a, you.
1: As a, you don't even have to be half decent. As an <laughs> identified
2: ugly okay. I'm I'm an ugly man. Okay, I don't have a lot of physical qualities that are desirable in any situation. I, I got agree. a nice beard and a decent set of shoulders. That's, That's about what I got going on. Very generous. There are fellas out there that look like blobfishes that don't have standards that you're not up to. Okay, like there are some uggos in the world that are just like they'll be excited if you talk to them and then text them back every once in a while. You ha- you can do better. Yeah, you're absolutely uh, right. Ben. Do not do settle
1: better. in the dude category. Yeah, this is this is completely true. Like, have you ever been to like the Walmart or the Iowa State Fair? Either one. And then there's like yes. a dude with a Spud McKenzie shirt on from 15 years ago that don't fit him. No. It might have fit him at some point. It does not now. And his bum crack's hanging out. And he's literally digging in there while he's walking the aisles. And there's a gal right next to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? couple kids, some evidence that they've been close. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know <laughs> what happened? this man pulled some, this off.
2: <laughs> some evidence that they've been close <laughs> is the greatest thing I've ever heard.
1: There had to have been a gallon of Old Spice involved. I don't understand yeah, yeah. how this dude did this. Maybe he has a great job. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But like all appearances, as I look at this man, I think there's no living possible way. This man walked up to this woman and said... Would you like to see me some Here's more? Here's the deal. Yeah.
2: This is this is why I need to get better at life because I feel like people see me out with my wife and go, "What? What is happening? Yeah. Why is that? She must be on parole. <laughs> 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 what, what, what is that human science experiment doing out right now with that gorgeous woman? Like, what is happening? Is she being held captive? Like, what's going on? She'll hold my hand in public. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, people are staring at us right now because they're like, I think she's being kidnapped. Is she hoping this is Beauty and the Beast and they're about to like get the rose that fixes him or something? (laughs)
1: Yeah. So the point is, is if if can Stockholm syndrome a woman straight up, then (laughs) straight up, then you, my my lady. Have plenty of opportunity in the world. There's a, there's a man who will want you... You do not have to settle for this low-grade situation. There is an
2: army of bridge trolls out there that would just love to yep. to have a bit of your time and attention. They
1: already got their bruisers on. It's 1230 at night, and they're looking for beef sticks at the Walmart. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know where to find good men. That's where. That's, yeah.
2: <laughs> if their Tinder profile says, just looking for beef sticks. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, double-check we that. Uh, anyway,
1: uh, Secular says... I don't know, Jack, and you have not listed even one of his virtues. <laughs> Unless your idea of a happy future is supporting a recluse who refuses to hold a steady job, it's time to sing Hit the Road, Jack.
2: Ah, Clever. <laughs> you don't know Jack and hit the road, Jack, in the same response. <laughs> All
1: right. All right. Maybe you agree or disagree with that. Give us a call or a text at the Life from the Path complete line 515-517-0085. That's the Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path complete line. We'd love to hear from you that's the show for this week hey if you've got any story ideas you can use that complaint line uh you got anything you want to ask uh ask the pet pa- hey maybe you're incensed about that uh thing I said about the uh possible parabolic nature of job let's hear it go ahead and uh, hit us up uh in the meantime uh be faithful in the means God will handle the ends you've been listening to live from the path <laughs>